0: Hey yo, Welcome back, everyone, to Season 7 of The Occasionalists. Matt Piggle here once again with Adam Chemalewski, getting ready to get things rolling this year, uh, back from our summer break, and ready to start the new season. Chema, how you feeling, my man?
1: I'm feeling great, dude. Very, very refreshed. It was a nice break. Did a lot of stuff. I did a lot of writing, I went some places, saw some cool things, and... But just very happy to get back into the swing of this, dude. I enjoy this very much, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Season yeah. seven, here we go!
0: Absolutely, season seven. Po- very possibly season seven, anyway. Um, you know, season six was in, was in question the entire year last year. So basically, this is season seven. But I think the, I think it's a soft question mark this year. Um, right. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm ready to get back in the swing of things too. It was it was an appropriate. I felt like the break was just like the appropriate amount. Mm-hmm. um just enough to like take a break from this and get out and do stuff um but now like you like you I am like re- ready to jump back into things
1: yeah we're getting back to the fall it's like one of my favorite times a year we get to do spooky season and all that stuff we have football coming up and like I just like I know that it's a really grim situation like in the country and the world and everything right now and like I but like I'm just I'm just looking forward to like you know, my usual fall, the football, doing the podcasting, going out and partying a little bit and stuff, you know, hopefully fingers crossed. So it falls one of my favorite times of the year and I'm looking to hit this one, uh, hit this one as hard as I possibly can.
0: Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. We are, we are not far away from all of that stuff. Like I was, I was thinking about it when I, uh, when I sent you, uh, the outlines that I sent you, I was kind of like in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, should I like mentally be preparing for spooky season? Like I, yeah. I think I really should be actually just for you know to get some ideas going before we actually lay something down. And it's mm-hmm. just like shit. We are that close. We are less than two months away.
1: I know, dude. Football starts up in like college is like two weeks away. The
0: pros are is, three. I think there's a game. No, there's a game this weekend, isn't there? Oh, is there?
1: I, I don't it might think,
0: be I think like text- it might be like division. You know, like um, uh, yeah. F- FCS or whatever. But like I think I think there's games this weekend.
1: Okay. Wow. Well, well, we are closer than I thought. You know. God, I just like, I'm telling you, man, like, I just, I'm just looking forward to it. The Browns are going to be good. Like, and that, that, it's just like the first time I could say that in a while. So this is like one of those, it's kind of like a new feeling for me to like, kind of be this amped up about like fall, not just because we're going to have football on, but because we're going to have a team that's like really fucking good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, (laughs) yes. Yeah. I like, I, I try not to get my hopes up too much for the Browns, but like, this is one of those years where like. Even my baseline expectations are significantly higher than they have been in past
1: years. (laughs) Right. No, I understand what you're saying. Definitely.
0: But anyway, we we are officially back for season seven. And uh, as a good way to sort of uh, kind of break in in the new season, uh, we are going to go, we're going to expand our five good minutes idea that we usually do at the top of every episode or most episodes, I should say. Um, wherein we just have five minutes to talk about something unrelated to the topic that we're we're gonna dive into. Um, which started with our Game of Thrones stretch, correct?
1: I believe it did, yes, yeah. because we were talking Game of Thrones all the time. This was that was the excuse to not talk about thrones uh right. in the episodes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah, so we built in five minutes for us to talk about any well really like more like ten because we both had five minutes to talk about what <laughs> we wanted. Sometimes it went longer than that, but the point being, it was just a chance to talk about something other than the topic, and so we expanded that last year into five good topics. Um, we're gonna follow, so it's just it's just a, a potpourri of stuff that we want to talk about, and I think that's a pretty good way to uh, to break in the new season, right?
1: Oh yeah, definitely, man. Always after these breaks, I, like so much stuff goes down. Like when you think about how much stuff has gone down in the last like six weeks, like when we did the big when we did the episode, like the last episode, we were talking about the NILs. One week later, the NIL stuff blows up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it blows up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Kids are getting deals, all this other stuff. And, like, I mean, there's just been so much that's happened in the world. So, like, something like this, you know, is just kind of like a nice, like, almost where have they been? Like, you know, bring us, the world up to speed, bring ourselves up to speed. I think it's a good way to start off the year.
0: I agree. I totally, I totally agree. Um, so, Chema, let's, let's start it off then. Let's do a little bit of light lifting first. Let's do our one-minute topics first. Okay. Um, just to you know, just to quickly get it out of the way here, and uh, I'll let you go first. Why don't you start off with your your one minute topic?
1: Okay, so I will do that, and the song title is uh, "Country Roads" by John Denver. Oh, classic! And classic for sure. And the reason that I went with that title is because of the whole "Take Me Home," which you guys, which I will elaborate on here, and so. Ah, uh, three weeks ago, Jess and I, we were in this area of Los Angeles called the Sawtell Japan Town. It's like a small little Tokyo, a bunch of different like Asian restaurants, Japanese, Korean, like all over the place in this one little area of LA. And where we had parked the car, um, we were at a meter, and like there's um an exit for the 10, like not that far from us and stuff, right? So there's this exit mm-hmm. from the 10. My car, um, all about like 25 to 50 feet from each other. So just to have that visual and stuff, and We're going to the car and I look up and I see this billboard from JobsOhio.com. And they're running. It's this website in Ohio. It's basically like a um, attract businesses, bring money into the state, like, hey, companies come here. We don't have the mm-hmm. state tax or something like that, you know, and I will say there are definitely some like conservative connotations in the language of the website and stuff like that. And they are an arm of the um, the state department, like the economic sure. development department or something like that. So they're running this campaign called Ohio is for leaders. And what's going on is they bought billboards in different sections of the country and stuff, trying to lure people out of that city into Ohio. And I saw one of these in LA for the first time. And the the sign said, spend your life at home, not in traffic. And I got to tell you these like for starters, it's just a brilliant marketing campaign for mm-hmm. what this agency is. And the fact that they like, do this really good job of just like hitting like you know almost like those subconscious kind of things that you think about and stuff. There's there's one in New York that's pretty like overt where it's just like hey Google cost of living NYC versus Ohio like mm-hmm. that one's pretty out there. But this one about traffic I was like, all right man, so you guys are getting you're getting really really good there. And uh, there's another one in LA that says um, save or what is it? It says. Um, live in a place where you can actually save for a rainy day. And I'm just like, man, like this place is, it's, I think that they're doing, these people did a really good job as far as this marketing campaign goes. I've never actually seen anything like this in my life where states are trying to lure people from another state. I've never seen advertising for it at least. And, um, I had to bring this up because I guess they're going to be running a series of commercials in Ohio coming up soon if they haven't done it already. So um, yeah, Ohio is for leaders. These weird random billboards popping up all over LA—that is my first uh, topic for the episode.
0: I, you know, it's funny that you—it's funny that you mentioned that because there was like a, there was a really random controversy out of New York, and I'm not talking about Cuomo. Um, a different <laughs> random controversy out of New York. Um, like a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago where like the official New York state account, um, uh, posted a picture of, of New York city that day. And it was cloudy. Oh, yeah. you, did mm-hmm. you see this?
1: I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Yes.
0: Um, it was like a cloudy day in New York and the, the caption was a cloudy day in New York is better than the like a better than any day in Cleveland. And it, like, it wasn't for, it wasn't an advertising thing. Like if it was an advertising thing that like would make more sense this was just like a random intern on the on the official new york state twitter account being an asshole um right like cities cities do cities and states do this kind of stuff all the time it's just like you're like especially like when you live in ohio you're not going to be you're not going to see the come to ohio stuff um because we're here like, right. Right. But like if you guarantee if you live in probably like a, in more like in the surrounding states, you'll see it like in Indiana, Illinois, you'll, you'll see, you know, the, the come to Ohio stuff. But it, it is interesting that they're they're trying to poach people from Los Angeles now. And you're right. Like there's definitely a conservative sort of undertone to it. Um, and it's it's not like I'm not surprised. I mean, like, I'm sure Texas is doing the same stuff. To, to try to lure people from Los Angeles and especially the Bay Area to come to work yeah. for their tech companies instead.
1: Yeah, dude. It's like everything that was going on, it totally makes sense. And it's, it's kind of like one of those things where you know it exists in the world, but like you don't really think about it and it just kind of takes one thing to like, oh, wow, they're actually doing this kind of stuff. You know, mm. like this actually does exist. And uh, I, I kind of get a kick out of it. Like it is kind of funny and stuff. That, that whole thing about the New York thing, like that was just like, Wrong and
0: stuff. It was. And, it was like, I, like personally, I don't fucking care. I'm not offended, but like, it's just. It's like the. It's like that easy. It's an easy joke. It's yeah a, It's a right. real easy like out and like. It's a real easy joke to put on Twitter. <laughs> oh, Cleon right. sucks.
1: Yeah, and uh, like, okay the thing. The thing is, is that like that. It's to me seems like such an antiquated punchline. Like even the idea of using major cities and especially cleveland as a punchline it just it's just not like something that i think is like a modern uh a modern element of humor it seems yeah. like we've kind of moved beyond that and if you, and if i'll take it like one step further where like if you are like um let's just say you know you're a stand-up comedian you're, you're jimmy fallon you're, you're you're somebody in the public you know i just happened to, to go with comedy because they would be the most likely people to make a joke about cleveland mm-hmm. Where like okay so you're gonna make a joke about cleveland on twitter then you still have to tour. So like, what are you going to do? You're just not going to come here, you know? And like, and then what <laughs> right. you're to like, you know, and you do know that there's a certain degree of people that just like aren't going to go to that show because he's like always bashing Cleveland and stuff. And I just like, I feel that with everything else that's going on in the world, that you could find better punchlines than just, Oh, Cleveland sucks, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. The only, look, listen, the only cities we should be making fun of in America are in Florida. That's it. We can make fun of all (laughs) those goddamn cities, but, like, everyone else, like, let's get over it. Like, who, seriously, let's get over it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, Florida, we need to make Florida, if it isn't already, we need to, like, really amp up and make Florida the new Cleveland punchline and stuff like that. Especially if Ron DeSantis tries to run for president. That would be a great thing to have over the nation where just the state's a
0: joke, you know? Exactly, exactly. Oh, God, I hope that, well, I mean, it's gonna happen, but...
1: Yeah, it's a whole other thing. Whole other thing. Believe me, I could go on that tangent myself.
0: Hopefully, he doesn't Um, kill too many of his constituents. Yeah, they they can't vote when they're dead. Yeah, I know. And
1: I got a fucking grandmother down there, and shit's getting weird. And like, I—it's a whole other thing, dude. But yeah, I'm not liking anything about Florida right now.
0: Uh, No, you shouldn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, so my one-minute topic here. Looking at the clock. Oh, almost on an actual number there. Um, All right, so Chema. This is uh, from Smokey Robinson and the Miracles The love I saw in you was just a mirage Um, And this is, as heavy as that sounds This is just because I finally got around in the last couple of weeks To watching The Rise of Skywalker Oh Um, wow (laughs) This movie is a big fat deuce Um, It's basically sort of trailer scenes And trailer moments stitched together with like a bunch of scenes of people saying, we're on your side. And then like there's some new characters and they say, hey, we're on your side. If you just call us, we'll we'll come help you out. And then a lot of the characters that we meet in the first two installments of the most recent Star Wars trilogy are completely put in the back burner and don't matter. And now we all know that Rey is a Palpatine, but she decides to be a Skywalker instead. That's it. That's the fucking movie. You've seen it. You don't need to fucking see it. Um, it is. It is a huge waste of everyone's time. Um, I literally. I had to watch it in like two sittings because I was literally falling asleep while I was watching it the first time. And the boringness of it, and the blandness of it, and knowing exactly where it was going to end up, like before anything was happening, just stole from some of the actual good moments, like the, the surprise Harrison Ford moment. Um, that's you know that's supposed to be really transformative for Ben Kenobi. Um, like some of those moments just get stolen by like this completely banal script and completely banal story. Um, if you want better story storytelling in the Star Wars universe, go fucking binge The Mandalorian. That's fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about The Mandalorian. Um, we don't have Disney Plus right now. And I'm seriously reconsidering getting it again because of the Hulu ESPN package for only thirteen ninety nine. That's mm-hmm. a fucking deal, dude. It's a fucking deal. That is actually a really <laughs> good deal, yeah. And I am um, well, number one, I'm I'm at least glad you saw it just so you kind of know how bad this fucking movie is oh. and everything. And it's really bad. Like when I saw it in the theater, um, number one, my buddy and I, we had a couple drinks beforehand. We went to the Slimans and in Independence before um, mm-hmm. seeing this movie when I was back for Christmas. I fell asleep, I think, within like, or to fall asleep/slash passed out within like 40 minutes. And like, I remember getting into the movie. We're in the movie, and I'm like, "Oh wow, Jesus!" There's our, we're going right on into it, mm-hmm. like Kylo Ren. It's like, "Holy shit!" Like, we're this might actually be pretty goddamn awesome. And then like, somewhere in there between, I think it was like when I saw Snoke, a bunch of Snoke heads, and like these glass jars in like the Emperor's lab and stuff. I was like, okay, so the emperor like created Snoke, and uh, yeah, so this is just not going to be good from here. And then like, <laughs> there was the whole Force Facetime thing, and like, it's just like if you like the way that Avengers did with Endgame, like that is just I, I still am convinced that that is like something like that might never ever be done again. Like that's just like the way to wrap up like a big long story as, It's a way to pay homage, like all the yeah time.
0: as. As as many problems as I had with Endgame, it, it, it is, in terms of, like, how to wrap up a series of movies, vastly, vastly superior to what I watched with Rise of Skywalker.
1: Yeah, dude, like, the whole... Oh, God, there's just, like, the, the Force FaceTime thing drove me absolutely insane, like, just Ray and the connection to Palpatine, like, and I... It was one of these deals where, like, the story was so bad that... Um, you're right, you're talking about, like, the transformative moments and it taking away from some of that. It even took away from some of the visuals, which I thought were absolutely we're good. amazing. They're Probably really Probably the coolest, great. coolest visuals ever in a Star Wars movie. And I'm just like, yeah, like, I just want to go get out of here. I went to hang out with Jason Wood afterwards. I, I got to his house, and I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have saw Rise of Skywalker. I should have just came here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was just... Uh, uh, oh. Yeah, like, just these moments with... You know, just some of these moments with like, you know, we get to um, when we like, you know, R two or not R two? Excuse me, C three PO sacrificing himself essentially, you know, for the for the good of you know for the greater good. Um, obviously, the the surprise uh, Harrison Ford moment, um, even even Leia's death, which I know was like th- that's something they had to work in, like they couldn't like they, like they had to reshoot and do stuff around that. But like, there are these important moments, they're just totally lost in all the other garbage.
1: Yeah, dude, I, it was just a mess. And like, I remember like when, um, what is it? The, uh, the middle one, the, the last Jedi. I remember when that was taking a lot of heat and stuff like, oh, the last Jedi sucks. And I'm like, the last Jedi is a fucking masterpiece compared to yep. Rise of Skywalker. Yep.
0: Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we, I know we talked about this before. Like the easy one is the first one. Like that's yeah. the easy one. And the, the subsequently the middle one is the hardest one. This one, because like, because it departs so far from the middle one, it just like it's it's almost it's almost incoherent, like it's it's very close to being an incoherent movie. Consider we yeah. just we saw literally six hours worth of movie prior that explained a lot of stuff. It almost like went out of its way to unexplain all of it.
1: Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, dude. Yeah, that's that's just a monstrosity, and I think that like that movie has really like I thought that. My own personal, like, opinion slash view of this whole thing was, like, they were going to hit hard after Rise of Skywalker. Like, you were just going to see a flood of all this Star Wars stuff. And we still have The Mandalorian. There's been a cartoon or something. But, like, I think that we would have a lot more Star Wars content if The Rise of Skywalker was better. Yep. And I think, like, they're I think they're really taking their time. Just my own like assessment. I'm not in the writers' rooms, but like it's and also the pandemic and everything like that. But I do think that like these people are going out of their way to make this stuff like really good because now they have to. And I since it's crossing like generations and stuff now, you know, like the the kids who were younger when um, Phantom Menace and everything, they're now adults and stuff. And there's a whole new generation of kids to kind of hook on, but still keep the the older kids and then even people our age and stuff. So th- I think that like a lot of effort is going into the future of star Wars. And at some point in time, I am going to renew my Disney plus subscription. I want to get back into the the universe, but I got to tell you, I was so scorned from the rise of Skywalker that like I-, I would, my one buddy would go off about the Mandalorian and he'd be like, dude, you see that? And I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't seen the Mandalorian yet. And it's like, what you haven't seen the Mandalorian. <laughs> so, I'm still waiting to make my re-entry into the um into the Star Wars universe. It will happen at some point in time. I'm just I'm not there yet.
0: Yeah, I under- totally understand. Totally understand. And I will say this just to put put a bow in this since you kind of mentioned them uh taking their time and they definitely are. Um I think the good news was is that The Mandalorian is so well received critically and by the fans and by and by a very persnickety fan base. It's like mm-hmm. so well received that like now they're like okay that's that's the benchmark of quality that we have to hit yeah. every time now it has to be that right. good
1: yeah and believe me like if it if that is what they're using they've set themselves a pretty high bar because i've just heard i've heard literally nothing bad about it
0: it's there's there's a couple episodes that are a little i don't want to say down at all but like even like even sort of like the filler episodes like the bridge episodes even those mm-hmm. episodes provide like like important scenes and stuff to move forward okay. to the next episode so like that's that's how like it's it is constructed like a real expanded story basically like it every episode matters it's not it's not episodic it's serialized so
1: yeah i can't wait dude like it might happen sooner than later with espn with that deal and stuff because I, I want espn and
0: everything so <laughs> right. that,
1: it might i might jump on this train sooner than uh sooner than i think
0: all right. So, uh, let's jump into, let's get into the he- a little heavy lifting. Now let's go to one of our right. five minute topics. Um, uh, Shema, just go ahead, which pick whichever one you want to, you know, you should have two of them there. So just go for yes. it and throw some stuff out.
1: Okay. So, all right, man, been waiting to talk to somebody about this. Like, um, The, this section of mine is called Jesus Lord. The song isn't out yet. It's by Kanye West. It's supposedly on, it's supposedly on Donda. So if Donda
0: ever actually comes out,
1: yeah, (laughs) ever comes out. That's right. Okay. So, this is what my section is going to be about but before i dive into this i have to kind of just dis- explain the situation um, that i was once in and when i was driving out to california this will be really quick i was driving through utah the, the big part of utah where there's like no exits there's like 110 miles with no exits in utah no radio stations either like you're not hearing popular music it's all like religious stuff you know all this other shit, mm-hmm. you know like so anyway driving um this song comes on the radio and i was like wow like the song is sounds really fucking good, but there's just something that's off about it. And then of course, three seconds later in the chorus, when the lead singer yells out praise God, like to this rock and beat, I'm like, okay, that's what it is. It's a religious driven thing. (laughs) And I was immediately turned off from it, you know, as I'm not going to lie. Like I kind of am turned off from a lot of religiously centric things. And to me, like The Leftovers is like a religious like show, you know. Like that, mm-hmm. that is like nope. that yes. is like the my extent of like what I would go to in um, terms of religion. And believe me, if Lindelof wasn't behind that, I'd, I'd second what I I might think twice about it. Mm-hmm. So, this whole Donda thing, which took place two weeks ago, Kanye did his listening party in Atlanta, and I'm not gonna lie, I've been I've been kind of like excited about this. I've been thinking maybe you know, this whole Jesus is King thing is done and maybe he's moved on. And that's not the case. And I started listening to this party, you know, watching the, the video and stuff. And there's all these amazing as hell visuals, dude. Like it's just a really cool piece of like performance art, you know, it's Kanye just kind of by himself. He's got the spiky gimp outfit on. He's got like the, the Donda riot gear kind of fatigue, you know, that like police would wear and stuff the, like the bulletproof vest and there's all these people around him. The, the, it's just minimalism, but it looks really fucking cool at the same time. Even with all the people, there's still something minimalistic about it. And the first song has got a rockin', rocking fucking beat. And I'm like, oh my God, he's back. He's so back. And I just started getting really, really excited. I heard, like, you know, a couple measures of the beat. And then the first line of the song is. Do you know anybody in your life who may need Jesus? And I am just like, oh, my God, he is not Uh. away from this whole thing. (laughs) So, okay, so where I'm going with this whole thing is I watched the whole premiere. I was just waiting for maybe it was just the one song. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe this is just the one part of Donda that he's got to use to get out of the system. No, it's pretty much like the whole thing. There's a song with him and Jay-Z in it that doesn't have like any curse words. There's like no curse words on the album. And like, it's not that I think curse words are mandatory in hip hop, but it's just like when you have this all-star fucking cast of people, that's like Kid Cudi, Travis Scott, Young Thug, The Weeknd, Jay-Z, like, and these are all the, the like artists that were on this version of the album that mm-hmm. was played. Who knows if they make it to the, the final one or if the final one comes out. But it just sounded like you're you're holding back, like you're restricting all these people, you know? It's like, well, I can imagine like Kid Cudi, and I've seen Kid Cudi do freestyles that are just banging on, you know? And it's like, occasionally there's some F word or maybe an N-bomb dropped in there or something, but it almost seems like they were just restricting these guys. Like, it's like, hey, I need you to write out a song and then I'm going to approve it and make corrections and then you're going to rap it on my new album kind of stuff. That's like the vibe that I got. Mm-hmm. And... I guess what gets me the most is because, like I said, I was digging that beat and I was digging all this instrumentation is that Donda has got some of the best instrumentation and beats that he has that I've ever heard from him. The music is like incredible. And that's the one thing I've really respected about Kanye. And one of the things that I always go to when I describe like what would make me a Kanye West fan is like, his utilization of the his use of the beats and the music is just it's top notch. And Donda's got some amazing, amazing artistry on there. Unfortunately, what's playing over top of those beats is just this like it's religious in its core, which is like I know is why it turns me off. But it just never seems to be able to hook me. Like even when The weekend all these other people make appearances on the album, they sound great. But the minute that they're done, it's back to the Jesus thing. And we talked in the big like flip-flop episode about swapping Kanye West and Kid Cudi for mm-hmm. one another and their, their positions in life and stuff. And the more and more that he is either in the news or the more and more stuff like this that takes place is that, the, that that statement could not be more right. You know, like it could not be more true that these two should have their stations in life swapped out. And the thing that, like... I was on like Twitter all the the whole time and stuff like that while this whole thing's going on and I'm watching everybody like shit their pants over this whole album and stuff. And I just, hopefully those people know that like at one point in time, you're just going to have the album to listen to. You're not going to have the vote the visuals the and the, the yeah. performance to go along with it. And I'll tell you, like when he levitates out of the audience, like <laughs> It's pretty cool. You know, I Mm -hmm. mean, like I get I get the religious metaphor and stuff. But like as far as like a stunt goes and everything, it was pretty goddamn awesome. And like I have a feeling that like these performance art pieces ultimately are going to hurt the album when it comes out because the people aren't going to have these awesome visuals to back themselves up like you could easily get lost and maybe even forget about the fact that you're listening to like christian rap which is what the hell it is no matter who is making it or whatever it's christian rap music and like you could maybe forget a little bit of that when it's supplemented by all these awesome visuals and stuff but when you don't have those visuals i have a feeling that this album is going to it's going to be like jesus is king it's going to come and go it's going to be lost like if Kanye does tour, like I would, I know it's going to be like an epically successful tour, but I'd have to su- assume that it's not going to be as successful as his other tours. Mm-hmm. And I just miss the old Kanye West. Like if it means all the weird, crazy shit and all this stuff online, like, I guess there's a level of it that I can tolerate as long as he's making decent music. But if he's not making decent music, it just it illustrates like some of the clown show elements uh, and some of the other stuff about him that I would maybe overlook if he was making decent music.
0: Yeah, I, t- I totally get what you mean. Channeling this much effort and intensity because like you'll, you can never, ever say that Kanye doesn't work his ass off on every album. Like, you just... You can't say that. Like, it, it, the effort is there. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not right. something that you like, the effort is there in every single album. But, like, channeling himself into this is just such a bizarre... Uh, maybe not bizarre Um, is the, right, is the right word, but, like, channeling himself into Christian rap and gospel. Like, you don't... You don't need this level of intensity to praise God. Like... No. I- I'm telling you right now, you just don't. Like, the... The... Like just thinking of like some like gospel singers and stuff it is some of the most basic music the music itself I mean like it is some of the most basic music you'll ever hear regardless of how good there's a there's tons of great gospel singers that sound fantastic um but like the music is so basic it like it's it's sort of I'm gonna use this analogy again I know I used it in, in at least one episode recently this is Wolfgang Puck running a fucking McDonald's like yeah like what like why waste the effort and the talent on something like this i just don't fucking get it
1: yeah dude it's it's totally beyond me and like let's just say you don't want to have cursing in the album anymore let's just say you're maybe trying kanye is an artist trying to do something different like that's fine but i don't want you to rap about god and every other song you know like even some of the Better verses and some of the cooler flows, which I mean, between all those people, like there's definitely some artistry on there, but it's just like what it always leads back to is the Jesus element, and I just like I really like don't like that coming from him, and I got to tell you, like I'm relatively new to the Kanye West phenomenon like i jumped on the bandwagon in 2013 he had a decade of making music like before i really got on this train and i really wanted to like enjoy him a little while longer like i saw him in concert in 2016 it was incredible it was incredible and like i now it's just like no and it's kind of disappointing it's like you know how like ryan adams dude like it took me forever to get on the Ryan Adams bandwagon. I get on the Ryan Adams bandwagon. I'm there for five years and he's like a fucking creep. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there's like, I want to like enjoy these artists a little bit while, a little while longer. I wanted them to continue to make good new music. And with Kanye, it's like, you know, I don't even know if that's going to happen again. Like right now, the odds are of him making another like album that I'm going to groove to are very, very, very slim. And I love dude, I love that he's moved into the he was moved into the stadium. There was all these like things that are like Kanye West like things that were getting me excited. Like, yeah, he should. Why wouldn't he walk around the the Falcon Stadium in a mask, dressed all in red? Like, that's awesome. Like, he's going to release something cool. And then, just no, no, just, just not at all.
0: You want to do you want to do gospel music and Christian music? There are plenty of artists you could team up with to release a gospel Christian album. Like, yeah. tons that would be happy to work with you, and you'd probably have a good you know for what it is you'd probably have a good product at the end. I don't know, like, why... Uh, like, like why do you need to bring in The weekend for this? Why yeah, do you need to bring in is, any of these people?
1: It's going to be a stain on their career. Like, The weekend and Travis Scott are going to look back at this experience and be like, man, like, I don't know if I should have did that, <laughs> you know? Right. And it, it's just disappointing to me, man. Like, I, I like... And I know there might be people out there that think that this is his greatest work and that he's still like a definitive artist and he's just keep on breaking and pushing the pushing the limits. But for me, like I'm not viewing it like that. I am just viewing it as like him taking a turn into a wrong genre of music. Like this is something that he should not have be making music of, or at least if he wants to do it. He should do it under like a, a, you know, West Kanye or something, just like a fake name, and
0: he have should, his own little side project. Right. He should team up with that guy Chris Gaines, and they yeah, could do Christian right. albums.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god, the sight
0: of that on stage right now would just be too perfect, and it would too be, great. It's, it's, what would? What would? No, it, it'd be easy. You could. You could keep. You have Chris Gaines and then you have, um, you know, the, the line from, uh, from the college dropout Kane, Kane West. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane's a religious name. You can just like Kane East and Chris Gaines. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, that now that we've said that, I just had a stupid feeling
1: that that's, that might happen because like all the, um, the, once again, Twitter like blew up when the Jay-Z song came on and they're like, oh, they're going to drop, watch the throne too. And it's gonna be amazing, mm, and I'm just like, nope. No, the, the Chris Gaines album has a better chance of happening than <laughs> yep. Watcher Throne, too. Yep.
0: Oh God. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, so that, I do. That, you know what? I do, and I don't want to see that.
1: Yeah, it's. You're right. No, I understand what you're saying. No, I definitely gotcha, and like. I, it's just a dude. Like I just can't say it enough. It's just disappointing. Like I, I had to like talk about this because I was watching. I'm like on my phone watching it. It was like a couple Thursdays ago, and I'm just like so intense into it, just like waiting for it to turn good and stuff. It was like the the like an incubus album from a couple. Like if not now, when It's like that album. So like, you're mm-hmm. just waiting for it to good, be good, but it's not good.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think this is I, I, just because of you know how not that he's old, but like it's not like he's going to be reinventing the wheel anytime soon. I think this is, this is what Kanye is right now. Like, we're not going to see a sudden pivot at age, almost age 50, you know, like five, (laughs) six years from now. Like it's not going to happen.
1: It sucks, man. Like it really fucking sucks. And like, I just, I, my relationship with him was short and it was fun, but I really didn't expect it to end like this.
0: Yeah, it happens. We'll, we'll always have those earlier albums. we like, like they're, they're still there for us to listen to.
1: Yeah, dude, Twisted Fantasy, it, it's still, it's still amazing. Mm-hmm. Man. And like, I got to tell you, like, Life of Pablo has taken on a whole new life for me ever since these last two albums came out. And I'm actually like the guy who likes Life of Pablo. And now I'm just like, my God, this record, this is like, this is like Revolver from the Beatles. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Oh man. All right. Uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get serious here, uh, uh with, with, my, with one of my topics here. And, all right. and, you know, it's I, like, I just realized like all of my, um, songs are like old school throwback songs. Um, the classic rock classic, uh, you know, Motown. Um, so I'm going with right now, I'm going with the doors. People are strange. Um, you know, what, what are there, what's that? Very good song. Very good song. One of their most, one of their most, uh, you know, everyone knows that song. Um, even if they don't know it's the doors for some reason, everyone knows that song. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, people are strange by the doors and Chema, of course, this is about QAnon getting weirder and weirder. And I really don't see any trajectory where QAnon doesn't get stranger and more, more worryingly doesn't get more violent. Um, so this all per usual relates back to the, the insurrection, um, which was, which was not that it was perpetrated by QAnon, but heavily, heavily, um, populated by QAnon adherents. Um, and there's, there's more to it than that. Like, it's not just a QAnon thing, but they were heavily pushed into it. Um, but ever since the insurrection, there have been various QAnon related prophecies that have failed to come true consistently. Uh, last time I checked, all of the reinstatement dates for Donald Trump have come and gone. Um, one recently just came last weekend um, that was that Mike Lindell and some other people were, were kind of pushing. Um, it came and went. Um, and last time I checked, no one in the Biden administration, to my knowledge, has been indicted, arrested, or charged with anything since taking office. Which was another QAnon uh, prophecy. But, like, there was a date where the sealed indictments, which is something they fucking love talking about. On their message boards and on Parlor and everywhere else, um, sealed indictments. Well, none of them have come out yet from your from your shadow government. Um, right. The problem is here, as as QAnon keeps getting proven wrong. In in an effort to stay relevant, I really think, especially amongst the conservative circles um, and like some of the more prominent supporters, I really think that we're going to latch onto more conspiracies that are even farther. Out of the realm of reality than previously, and the these prominent figures that need this community so they can run their grifts, like Mike Lindell, um, like uh, there's there's some other. I'm not going to go through like the names of these people, but like there are people that have been kind of like sort of um, early early adopters of the QAnon philosophy um, simply to sell shit to people, and as as these, as these sort of prophecies and as this momentum, it's definitely losing steam in one regard. These people are going to be, are going to, to kind of latch on and keep this grift going. These people are going to begin promoting stranger and stranger things. And, you know, as this happens, you know, as this happens, like, I think the stranger stuff is going to lead to more violence. And I think one of the, well, it, it kind of, I'm guessing right now, I don't know if you saw today, the, uh, the uh, guy who threatened to blow up the Capitol, even though he wasn't at the Capitol, he was at the Library of Congress.
1: I did, yes. Okay,
0: um, I'm not going to be shocked when it turns out that that guy's a QAnon, uh, QAnon adherent. Like, not, not even going to remotely shock me. But like, so like, we're already seeing this stuff get more and more violent, and I think the I think like the biggest reason why this is happening is that we don't have the the figurehead with you know with a with a megaphone anymore. Trump doesn't have Twitter to talk to people, and. The continual failings of Q's coded messages and the Anons, the Anons are the people that decipher the messages and, and kind of put meaning to them. Um, it's sort of like just a ship in the wind, like with no one at the no one at the mast, no one at the sail, like it's just blowing off in every direction. So these people are going to begin taking things into their own hands, like a person driving to the Library of Congress and threatening to blow it up. I, and I, I'm assuming again, I'm assuming this is a QAnon person because I'm sure he drove to the wrong building. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, he's going to blow up, blow up a bunch of records. I, I don't know. Um, but, but like, yeah, so these people without direction are going to begin taking things in their own hands as like the crazier stuff circulates. Case in point, very recently, Matthew Coleman of California abducted his kids and murdered them in Mexico with a spearfishing gun. Um, because he claimed that they had serpent DNA that was passed down from their mother. And that was the only way to save the universe was to murder his children, who were one and three. Um, God, this is based, you know, this is like an old school dude. This is an old school belief. Um, It's it's an offshoot of the old lizard people uh, belief that a lot of conspiracy theorists kind of push around. Um, And you know, like it. So this guy Matthew Coleman repeated it about like the the serpent DNA. The Christmas suicide bomber in Nashville uh, made the same claim that uh, the people in people in Congress, people in Hollywood were part serpent. Um, and, you know, they're part of the, they're also part of the child eating cabal, whatever. Um, it, it, this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it's on the one hand, it's very funny, but obviously it's very frightening. And something that we're seeing more frequently in the last like year or so, and there's a really good article, a really good write-up in the Daily Beast about it. Um, QAnon has been sort of encouraging, the people within QAnon have been encouraging people to, especially parents, Specifically, but any concerned adult to kidnap children they think are in trouble. Um, And that was part of the Matthew Coleman thing. He just took his kids from his wife and left. There was a guy who kidnapped his kids and like pushed his wife out of a car and was in a high speed chase in New Hampshire. Um, There's a woman who was recently arrested for plotting to plotting to kidnap her child that she gave up like to foster care. Like this is, you know, because obviously like if you're going to save the children, you have to go kidnap them. Which is apparently the irony of committing committing one part of human trafficking doesn't like dawn on the people whose whole thing is fighting human trafficking. Um, but like like I said, QAnon Chema, it's it's definitely lost steam, but that's just gonna make things get weirder and weirder.
1: Wow. Okay. So man. What you said there, like To follow up with my kind of disappointing tone with Kanye, this is disappointing in so many fucking levels. (laughs) Yes, it is. Like, this is, you're right, people are strange, like, this is a mondo, like, societal letdown for me. And, okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. So let me start off with the top, where you are 100% right. As this thing continues to lose steam, as there's no Trump megaphone, you're right things are just gonna keep getting weirder and weirder because they need to keep feeding that beast. And especially Mm -hmm. when these predictions don't go fulfilled like like who in their right god you know i mean it's just like there's no way legally that trump could be reinstated this whole thing about like the 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 attacker guy i saw some like you know lines like biden stepping down and the democrats yeah. being indicted and stuff and it's like when when is this going to happen like hillary clinton like you guys supposedly she's so bad you have all this evidence she's done all these things she you can't they, even put hillary clinton away
0: right they have supposedly they people within QAnon have seen a video of Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin eating a 10-year-old's brain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Give
1: it to the police. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like give it to the fucking
0: God. And you want to and you so like bad. you want to tell me you can't find some hyper conservative sheriff to hand this over to?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exact. That's another really good point, because this is clearly infiltrating law enforcement and the military and all this stuff. And like you would be thinking that somebody out there, Rudy Giuliani even, would be foaming at the mouth to get his hands on this video and stuff. You know, it's just, man, like on top of people like believing all like believing the big lie, you know, and I mean, not Mm -hmm. to mention all the other lies that QAnon has spun out in the last, you know, couple years or whatever. And even before that, um, and I, is Q still posting or is it just, is that not happening I anymore? I think Q
0: and, posts infrequently, but yeah, it's, uh, okay. What's, what's his face? Jim Watkins, John, Jim Watkins, I think is the face with the person. Ron,
1: is, Ron is the kid. And Ron, Jim Ron. is the old. Yeah. One. Ron. Yeah. Ron. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, um, uh, where I was, where I was like going with that whole thing. is like, you know, there's people that are all these believing this and like, as these things do not get fulfilled, they're going to create this like disconnect, you know, there's like, and it's not like a disc. I mean, they're they're already disconnected, (laughs) there's going to be a a further, like a disconnect between like their emotions and like their reason and like the, the brain and the chemicals like working inside them are going to be all disjointed. And like, when you are people, um, that are like this and when you, I guess, don't have any way to express yourself, violence is usually the thing that um, usually the thing that's kind of on the top of the list as a way to express yourself and go figure because you're hoarding all these guns and grenades and whatever mm-hmm. the hell else you have so it like what you're saying to me it, it makes all the sense in the world when I think about it like from a psychological perspective and how somebody would be on this path and everything and unfortunately it's just like it's very saddening at the same time, you know? And like, there was this, um, my uncle of all people, like shared a, um, like a, it looked like a, you know, like a political cartoon or something, you know, like almost looked like the Gary Larson from the far side drew mm-hmm. it, and it, though it wasn't him. And like, it's this guy on a computer and he's saying to his wife, like, Hey, look at what all these uh, experts didn't find on the internet. And the wife is just like walking out from her and stuff and walking away from him. It's just like these people are just like in this like self-fulfilling prophecy, like time loop where they're in this constant need to be reinforced to be reinforced. And when it just and when it doesn't happen, they start to go off. And this guy, this, you know, this dude who drove to the, the Library of Congress or whatever, like, you know, thank God he didn't do something. Mm-hmm. But who's to say that there's not a bunch of people right now planning something big, you know, or tra- or planning uh, some kind maybe not like a super big event but they're they're planning on some just some stupid event. You know what I'm saying? The the, yeah. the magnitude and the body count is completely up for de- debate in this situation, but um there's probably people that are doing that stuff right now and there are people like, you know, the guy killing his kids, we're already seeing victims and stuff. It just makes me wonder how much farther this whole thing is going to escalate.
0: I mean there was was it, no it was 2018 uh, a QAnon follower killed a mob boss in New Jersey. Like Whew. it wasn't like I don't I don't think he knew who it was but he killed a mob boss in New Jersey and when he was at trial he had uh the where we go one we go all um mm-hmm. thing written on his one hand and he had some other uh, q quote written on his other hand in court and it was just like I think that was like for a lot of people. I think that was like certainly for the news, for like the mainstream mm-hmm. media. That was their first like. <clears throat> that was their first realization that like, oh, maybe it's not just maybe this this thing isn't just a, a conservative online chat group.
1: Right, and when
0: when um, you're saying the whole element about
1: losing steam. Like, have these unfulfilled prophecies that they turn people off like is there any like reason that they've been able to pinpoint for the decline and the or the losing of the scene yeah
0: there's there's a lot of people that have su- you know they're it's not like they're suddenly have seen the light necessarily but there's a lot of people that have hopped off this bandwagon that like we were fucking lied to all this was bullshit q's bullshit it, it's been a lot of people i wouldn't say like a mass exodus and even then it's mm-hmm. not like these people are suddenly like you know, Joe Biden is the path or anything like that. <laughs> but they've, they've legitimately just have dropped off of... of. There's a lot of people that have dropped off the Q bandwagon who are just going to be, you know, angry at wingers quietly to themselves now.
1: Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, what's the threshold like, before somebody actually has their big, like, road to Damascus moment? Um, and I guess it must be a lot because there's still people that are clinging on to this whole thing and stuff. And it, it makes me... Compare, you know, like I take a look at myself like, up against some of these people, and like I'll tell you, like you know, I was really like wrapped up or like or, or paying attention to the the Russia investigation, you know, from the last four years, and like even though like. You know, what I'm saying here is that like I didn't go as full throttle as like these people and stuff like even I was up there saying that, yeah, there's no way in hell that like Trump and Putin sat down in a room and figured this whole thing out. Like I, I, I could at least acknowledge that, you know, but like still we didn't really have any answers. And in the end, we found out that a lot of stuff that, you know, some people thought were going on were actually going on. But it wasn't just. Like I guess, like the image that everybody had conjured up in their minds of this big collusion operation where Trump and Putin in the same room and all this other stuff, you know?
0: Right, exactly. There, it's it's kind of interesting. On the QAnon Anonymous podcast, they talk about how that the RussiaGate stuff kind of is like the left wing version of QAnon. That a lot of people will buy into the weird aspects of it, like you know Trump peeing on people or whatever, or having hookers pee on him or whatever, whatever the fuck it was, pee was involved. Um, yeah. Like that. That's like the that's like the left wing version of QAnon. It, but even by like, but like even by comparison, it's so tame. But compared yeah. to what a what QAnon thinks is going on, and B like the degree to which like people have like fervor for it. Like mm-hmm. I really want the P tape to be a real thing, just because like not because it like yeah. validates anything else. Cause I just think that would be hysterical. But, like, oh, but there are cute on people that are convinced, again, that Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin ate a 10-year-old's brain.
1: Yeah, and see, like, it just seems like what we want is a little bit more innocent. I guess. It really is. <laughs> you know, if that's even like, if that's even a comparison that could be made, like, yes, like you're 100% right. The P thing would just make me laugh hyster. I would be laughing out loud hysterically on that, like, for fucking sure. But, like, to me that just seems like way more harmless than somebody eating a baby. like there's no there's nobody being cut open in the peeing on thing.'
0: like in the weirdest of weird ways, they want that to be true. Yeah,
1: that, see that's the other weird thing like why are you even rooting for this kind of stuff? you know like if you if you're believing in this, you are right that in your core, breaking it down into a couple words, you want this to be true why would you want that to be true because if it's still if it's still an ongoing thing that means that a bunch of kids are being kidnapped and eaten and all this other stuff like you you want this like for your big gotcha moment like there's a world of difference between like um you know using somebody as bait in a drug deal type situation and stuff like that you know where the guy walks in and he's got like 40 pounds of Coke, but the police are behind the door waiting to come in. There's a world of difference between that and wanting children to be eaten by adults, you know, and like, not just like, (laughs) not just like, Hey baby, I'm nomming on your fingers. Oh my God, you're such a cute baby. No, like actually like filleted and sauteed and put on
0: a plate and stuff. It's nuts, dude. It's nuts. And it's like, again, I think without like the political compass, this thing is just going to go into weird directions. I'm, I'm very curious to see like, Again, like I I talk to people all the time and I always recommend the the QAA podcast and like Mm -hmm. I'm actually really curious in the coming months to see like what they're covering as as the political as the political portion of this sort of kind of winds down. Yeah.
1: And like, do you think that like,
0: you know, I know we're still like
1: a couple we're just basically a year from not even a year from the results of the 2020 election is this going to carry on with a full, like, you know, even steam in general going into like 2024, I'm assuming it's going to, we got at least another year. We'll make it to the midterms, but are we going to carry this all the way to 2024?
0: Only if a certain someone decides to run for president again. Yeah. And like,
1: I got to tell you, like that is just, there's so much to that question and stuff like that. That's almost like a podcast episode in and out of itself, Mm -hmm. but like, and, and my, my answer and my perspective changes on by the minute, like I might say, yes. yeah, it's totally happening. And then like, I might say maybe not, but in my heart, I believe that yes, it's going to happen. And number one, we should be worried, not just like you and me, but I even think that like people in the Republican party should really be fucking worried because if he fails, which could happen, like, how do you really come back from that? You've hitched a ride to this bandwagon now for going on four years and stuff like where do you come back from it? Where do you go in the
0: future? You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, good Lord. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. don't want to think about I, that I, for at least a couple of years.
1: Yeah, I know. Believe me, I'm stopping everything from, I'm pumping my own brakes here and stuff like that because there's, it's just such a latent thing full of, it's just such a latent conversation topic. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just, mm-hmm. and you're right. I, I don't really want to think about it, but at the same time, it's like something that's just like, you know, in the back of my mind, like, you know, Hey guys, like, we, we avoided fascism once. Like we may not be lucky the second time around.
0: Right. Right. All right. Chamba, let's, uh, let's not back this up with another five minute. Let's go to a two minute topic. How about you, uh, All right. throw me out something here. Kind of not going to lie. Kind of hoping it's something a little bit light. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, okay, it definitely cool.
1: is light. Yes. You bet. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> I'm actually going to take this conversation towards the direction of professional rugby, which is uh, oh, okay. the number one, a new one for me here Excellent. on the, uh, the podcast. And the uh, the title of this segment is called It's Martini Time, which is a song and album by this band called the Reverend Horton Heath, mm. who saw a little bit of uh, they saw a little bit of, you know, some uh, some glory during the mid 90s swing yeah. rockabilly revival and stuff like they that They're on
0: an episode of Drew Carey show
1: they were that is yep. correct yes that is totally right yes definitely so okay so the reason that it's called martini times is because here in los angeles we have a professional rugby team mm-hmm. called the los angeles guiltinis okay so just keep that in mind because okay. um, i'm gonna get into this here in a little bit so just as a quick like kind of little bit of a thing yes we have a professional rugby team they're actually the current mlr champions and the, the mlr gives you a shield which is pretty cool you know um as, a, as your trophy i guess you get a shield and they defeated atlanta this year so just as i want to get that out of there yes we cur- the guiltinis are the champions and where i am going with this whole thing is that i really hate this fucking name i can't stand this <laughs> um all right now I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, some some kind of like a backdrop on this, okay? So the Guiltini, it's actually a cocktail that has not been released yet, and the owner of the team is this guy named Adam Gilcrest. So oh, I'm assuming that he is behind, a, <laughs> yep, he's behind this, <laughs> and the. Guiltini is a combination of his last name and a Martini and it'll be a drink that is marketed at some point in time in the near future. Okay. So on top of me just hating the name cause it's a bad name, but I got a real problem with this product placement via a sports team type thing. And I, for the life of me, like, I can't think of any other, I, I, this doesn't exist like in the major sports. I mean, there's not like the Buffalo Q-tips or anything like that. Like they don't, at least to my knowledge, there's not a modern sports team that's using or like in a, in the major threes that is using their sports team is also like uh, an advertisement for a product. No, you got to get down name.
0: to, you got to get down to minor league baseball for that kind of shit. Yeah.
1: Right, right, and like, dude, I'm totally cool with like you want to throw the the Akron Wingfoot on the Cavs jersey, the McDonald's logo on like uh on a jersey somewhere on sure. NBA and stuff. Like, I'm totally cool with this. You, know, I'll even open up the door if you want to maybe throw one in an NFL jersey and an MLB jersey. Go for it. Why? Oh, not, what's right? happening? Like, it, it's, it's happening. It, yeah. oh, oh, believe yeah, it's gonna happen. That's for sure. But like. I loathe the fact that they named their sports team this. And I'm not gonna like I know um I know a guy who um plays on the team. I, I met his father a couple weeks ago, like um at this shoe Jess was doing. Um I'm gonna go to these games, we're gonna root this team on. Like, you know, as in LA, like I I'm into the idea of, you know, having more sports to watch other than just uh football, basketball, and baseball. Like there's a lot of sports here in Los Angeles mm-hmm. that you can pick from. And like but i'm just so against this because number one it sounds really fucking stupid the name really sounds stupid and if you think the guiltini's is bad Let's focus on the Austin rugby team who changed their name from the Austin Herd, which I actually like and mm-hmm. is very Texan, to the Austin Gilronies. So there's another one of these teams <sighs> in major league rugby, and the divisions are divided up east and west. So like Austin is the team in the East, LA is the team in the west. And all the other teams have like regular names. There's like the Sabercats, there's like the, the there's a presidents, I think there's either presidents or defenders in DC, one of the two. But um so it's not anywhere in the Elson league. It's just these two teams. And like, I know that rugby is not like it's popular, but we're not talking NFL size crowds here. And I think this is a dumb idea because if that product fails and like becomes something that's like, you know, symbolic of um, a really shitty name or a shitty team, a shitty product on the field, you have to change it. And I know you, you could just easily change your name like the team in Austin did, but why the hell would you want to go through that in the first place? And there's nothing, you're never going to be able to build like any type of fan base or any type of audience for this stuff, which in LA it's ripe for. We're such a worldly city out here that this could be a really fucking popular thing, dude. Like, I mean, there are people, like, in my law firm, there's, like, a, a people, not just a person who have, like, British accents and stuff that are from Europe and everything like that. Like, um, in Cleveland, like, if you have one person with a British accent, I mean, that guy might as well be, like, that's, like, a unicorn sighting, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually, I do know his name. His name's Bruce, so um, so, like, um, this whole thing could be like a real big hit, but it's not going to be a real big hit if every other couple of years the team is called something different. And I just think that this is such a stupid way to go. Um, this Gilcrest guy who I, I know minimal about, but this seems like something that he would do. And I am so against it. And it really fucking sucks because I think that this could be something really special. But in five years, they're not going to be called this. They're going to be called something else. And who knows what mistake they're going to make this time. And the fact that you're even using a professional sports team to do product placement via your sports team's name, I I kind of think is like – it's just not a cool thing to do. I I kind of think that's like a really stupid move because you get stuff like Giltinis and Gilronis.
0: Man, that's – yeah, I know. Are – like in three years, are they going to be like the Gilgaritas Probably, yeah, I mean, probably. That's yeah. That dude. That's so fucking stupid. Even even like the minor league tie-ins that do this, like you have like the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. It's more about like the shrimping industry. It's not mm-hmm. specific to like the Jacksonville. Um, you know the Jacksonville Bloom and Onion or like it. Right. That yeah. That's terrible. Like there is. That's one of those things. Fine, you got attention for like what you're trying to like what you're trying to market. Like you got attention, like no doubt mm-hmm. about it. That attention's gonna wane, and like like you said, like it's really hard for a fan base, as as people in Cleveland can attest to changing the name of a sports team. Um, it's like a it's a big deal, and when you pick the wrong thing, it can really turn off a lot of people. Like no one is gonna no one is gonna be in the corner of the Giltinis you know, if in a couple years, then, like I said, they become the Gilgaritas, the mm-hmm. the, the Gilganjins, um, like, uh. like they have no identity, it has nothing to do with Los Angeles, it's just a marketing ploy. Whereas if yeah. you took a team that had, like, a Los Angeles tie-in, like, especially, like, especially something for rugby, which is significantly smaller, give it, like, a cool local tie-in, and you'd have people, and then then sell your goddamn guillotinis at the fucking game. Um, right. Then you would have something. Like, this is yeah. a, it's a stupid... It's like, it's not that it's a stupid way to go about marketing. It's a stupid way to go about building a brand that can last Mm -hmm. because it's just not, it's not going to.
1: Yeah. And dude, as if the name couldn't be bad enough, like I was thinking, okay, maybe they got a cool logo or the cool colors or something. Their colors are the um, Miami vice, like the heat Miami vice jerseys, like that purple pink kind of like blue Mm -hmm. or whatever. And the logo is like a martini glass. So it's, they're, they're not like, turn they're not like, you know, getting me excited here, dude.
0: You know what you, you know what you do with this, Shaman? Like you have your, you know, Los Angeles, whatever, even if you just let's call, you know, you're the LA rugby club. Like that's, that'd be totally fine. And then for like the weekend launch, then you become the LA guillotinis. Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes, see, you need to get on this marketing staff because whoever's doing this is making a lot of fucking mistakes, It, dude.
0: it sounds like <laughs> who's doing it is the guy who owns the damn team, so it's not like anyone's going to tell him no.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, I'm just going to call it the, what we should we call this? Oh, my last name's Gilcrest. It has to have Gil in it, so... Gil-teenies, there we go. That's going to be a professional rugby team name. Ugh. Just no, no, it's bad.
0: That's awful. That's awful. Yeah, he should be he pretty should, bad. The league should find him or something. I don't know if they even can. <laughs> But, yeah, that's, that's fucking stupid, man. Yeah, I'm all not right. a fan of that, bro. No, not at all. All right. Um, my next, uh, my next topic here, we are going with, again, still going throwbacks here. I'm going with the great Robert Palmer, Simply Irresistible. Love that song. Love it. Love it. Always love it when it comes on. You got to do the, you got to do, whenever that song comes on when I'm at the gym, I immediately, like, do the Jackie Daytona dance, where I'm just, like, pointing <laughs> at people and shit, like, just kind of going nuts.
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I know what you mean. You yep. have to do it.
0: Um, but anyway, Simply Irresistible, and this is about the simultaneous theatrical and streaming releases of movies. Chema, um, I really, really, as a as a consumer and enjoyer of movies and TV shows, the fact that I've had so many fucking new movies at my fingertips this past year and a half, I guess really more like the past, like, six to eight months, um, poof Boys is it convenient! Um, like, I really enjoy just turning on HBO Max to watch Wonder Woman eighty four. Well, okay, didn't enjoy that, but um, <laughs> but Wonder Woman eighty four, Zack Snyder's version of the Justice League, uh, Suicide Squad. Um, I'm not hundred sh- percent.
2: Yeah, Face Jam k- too. yeah,
0: exactly. I'm not a hundred percent sure if Army <laughs> of the Dead was ever supposed to be in theaters, but like, I know it actually had like a one week theatrical release for whatever reason, but. Um, but like I'll just go ahead and throw Army of the Dead in there, like and yeah. there's tons more that I that were premiums that I didn't even bother to see, but like it's really been super fucking convenient and I really really enjoy it. Having said that, I also agree with which is odd. The two biggest opponents of this, uh, and I say this is odd because you know one of them is obviously very out in front of it, uh, Scarlett Johansson, um, very out in front of it, suing uh, <laughs> suing Disney over the simultaneous release um, release uh, model. And uh, oddly enough, James Gunn is very against um, the simultaneous release model. Um, mm-hmm. Both going about it different ways. Obviously, again, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney. Um, James Gunn just doesn't bring up HBO Max when he talks about Suicide Squad. And I agree with both of their points. Even though this is convenient to me, I agree with both of their points. If you're someone like Scarlett Johansson, you know obviously you're going to demand a huge... Fee anyway, but when in your contract you have it built in that you're getting back end um, right. off of off of ticket sales, and literally it seems like about half of the fucking profits for this movie were cut into, possibly more. That's a shit ton of money coming out of mm-hmm. your pockets. That you, I, I'm sure there's tons of legalese that prote- that protects the the studios, but I feel like if you knew as an actor actress if you knew that that this that you know that um disney was gonna like you know what we're not gonna do where this isn't just gonna be a theater release this is going on streaming which is excluded from your back end um why would you ever sign that deal like y- yeah you just, i would you wouldn't right
1: oh yeah not you wouldn't chance. sign
0: that deal and i'm not like bemoaning that scarlett johansson only made like 20 million dollars or whatever but like sure. there is a principle here that like you you can just see it. It just feels very deceptive that you're that like that you know your studio is finding a way to keep you know keep their costs on you down um, in the long run um, to not to not share as much profits because you know it's like I, I know Disney's hurting for money. They don't have much, um, but it's just it's just one of those like I don't know. It's just one of those things that like when you when you get into the nitty gritty of it, it's again it's millionaires yelling at billionaires but it's just like one of those like seedy fucking things that like runs through Hollywood. And then I 100% agree with James Gunn's point of view here that movies were made for movie theaters. And a lot of time and effort went into especially a movie like The Suicide Squad or excuse me, Just Suicide Squad. Um or is it The Suicide Squad? It
2: is The Suicide It is Squad. this is
0: The Suicide Squad. Um a, a movie like this that was shot like with IMAX cams and all like a lot of effort went into maximizing the big screen for this movie. And obviously you had the option to go see it, but, but most people are, you know, at least not most, a lot of people are going to stay home and not bother to go to the movie theater right now. Um, And it's, you know, it's obviously the the safer option, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of on James Gunn's side. Like, why don't you just hold it off for as long as you can, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, as opposed to putting this product on everyone's screens that aren't, for that not, they're not formatted for, but like you're missing out on an experience when you don't see something like that in theaters. That's why fat like F9 they did not release on on HBO Max or any other platform because they were very adamant that this is a movie you had to see in theaters, and I 100% agree with that.
1: Yeah, dude. Okay, for starters, um, I gotta agree with you on the convenience thing.
0: This is so it's awesome.
1: convenient <laughs> for it's me. Awesome. I, it's pretty goddamn great. I I'm not gonna lie, like even though I do agree with Scarlett Johansson, I agree with what she's doing in the future. I'm actually for just paying 30 bucks and having it at my house, Mm -hmm. you know, like in LA that is more economical than Jess and I just going to the movies. So like I am a hundred percent for something like that in the future. However, I don't like the fact that they just kind of pulled this whole thing. Like, yeah, we're just going to fucking do it. You don't have a say in it. Cause you're right. Like a lot of, money is being built into that back end thing, you know? And that is actually like when you get to like back end deals, like that's like what a lot of people like want and stuff like that. You know I mean? When you, when you think about it, like, and you know, you're right. She got paid a huge check just to be in the movie. But like, if you're, if you're the actor, you're the actress here. Um, it's cool to get that big check, but it's also good to get stuff on the back end because that's the money that just keeps on coming in. Exactly. You know, whether, Whether your first stage of your deal is ticket sales, then it could be DVD sales, then it could easily be cuts of the Netflix or Disney trying to sell the movie to Mm -hmm. different places, whatever it is. So the back end stuff, that's what you want to get. Like that's like what you're almost like striving to get as a um, as an actor, actress. And some of these residual checks, dude, like my one buddy's wife um, had a. I don't even think she had a speaking role. She was like a featured extra on um, the Andrea uh, Savage show on true TV. Mm-hmm. And her residual checks are like 400 bucks every now and then, you know, like whenever it reruns <laughs> right. or something like that, you know, it's 400 bucks just being mailed to you off of a featured extra line with no, a featured extra role with no lines. Right. Imagine so, the Scarlett
0: Johansson's residuals. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. I know. Can you like that right there is like, that's life changing money for people like us. That's just being mailed to her every couple months, mm-hmm. you know, what i'm saying like by god like to be in that position you know so i um i agree with what she is doing and i think that this is going to be an issue that um is going to we're going to see a lot of variation as to how this whole thing is handled going forward and stuff and there's going to be new procedures and new
2: mm-hmm.
1: policies and new agreements and deals that are reached and everything so like as far as like something um to talk about in hollywood this could be a very very interesting topic going forward um but i'm going to once again reinforce that i do not agree with what disney uh is doing and i am 100 percent behind scarlett johansson on this one absolutely when it comes to When it comes to James Gunn's perspective, he is a hundred percent right on this. Like you're right. Movies are definitely meant to be seen in the theater for fucking sure. Especially suicide squad, these big summer blockbusters. That's what they are designed for is to like be in the theater and stuff. And like when, when I think about um, going to the movies and believing the thought has crossed my mind many times since this pandemic happened. And even since we've started to, have movie theaters available which has just been in the last like six months or so if that like not even that like maybe three four months um i gotta tell you man i don't want to deal with all like the bullshit like and like now granted like no one's asking i'm not saying that like oh my god i'm mad about them i'm not mad about the mass i get it i understand that those have to be worn but i would almost rather like just wait till everything is back to normal again. So I can enjoy the movie without some dumb hiccup or like the social distancing element, or if the person next to me is like vaccinated, vaccinated enough and he's coughing and like hooting up a storm in the movie theater and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I just don't want to deal with that shit. And like, if I were to go to the movie theaters, like, if I was to go to the theater tonight and see a movie, would would it probably be a good experience? Yes. Like, I, I would guarantee you that the experience is probably just what it was when the last movie that I saw, which I think is fucking Joker right now, which is just, my God, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so long but, but um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so long ago. Um, <clears throat> so, like... Um, I'm pretty sure the experience would be very, very similar to what I experienced before. But like, I kind of just don't even want to find out, you know, and it's one of these deals where I'm like, okay with this thing, the streaming simultaneous release stuff for the time being. But as soon as it's, as soon as we can like do stuff without any worry, without any like clouds hanging over our head. I'll be going back to the theater like for fucking Mm -hmm. sure. You know, Mm -hmm. am I going to go back and see every movie? No, I'm not going to do that. Like there's no way in hell that that's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like I just like, I I will say that I would probably be watching more movies because they're right being beamed into my house and stuff. But that's not going to stop me from going like, once a month, maybe t- twice a month if it's a if it's a cool release schedule. like I had every intention and if I can, fingers fucking crossed. I want to see that lamb movie in the theater that's coming out with me mm-hmm. Repease and stuff. I'm like all about going to see that. But, like, at the same time, I just, I just don't want any of the COVID to have all this crap around and everything. Yeah. Like, I just kind of want to sit in the movie and enjoy the movie and, like, not have to wear the, the mask and just have, like, as much of an authentic experience as I possibly can to the pre-COVID times.
0: It, I, I will be in theaters for Dune in a full radon suit if I have to. Like, oh, yeah, that's, when is that coming out? Is that Christmas? I can't remember. I think, it, I think it's October.
1: Okay, oh yeah, that one. I'm going to. The, I, I'm reading the book right now, so that oh, okay, is going nice. to be like that is going to be a must go to for me as yeah. well. Yeah, I thought it was later. I thought Lamb would be the first one, but if it's it's either going to be Dune or Lamb, one of those two. Yeah, maybe the, both in the same weekend.
0: Right. So yeah, that that's sort of where I'm like kind of earmarking. Like, you know, I'm I'm sure I'll see a movie before then, but like that's like I I don't care how I have to like mm-hmm. if I have to protect myself so over the top, I don't fucking care. There's no yeah. way I'm sitting at home and watching that on HBO Max. No way. No, no, d-
1: definitely not. Like, I like Suicide Squad. Like, um, Jess went out of town last weekend. Like, she just got back, uh, yesterday night. If Suicide Squad would have came out like three days ago, four days ago, whatever, I probably would have saw it in the mm-hmm. theater because she was out of town. I needed something to do. Mm-hmm. But since it came out the week before, we just watched it at the house, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, I'm, I'm, I'd like, jones and to, to, to get back i really really am but i was just thinking i'm like like, what do i want to do Do i like want to go to the movies like just to see like that i that nobody movie with bob odenkirk is probably awesome but it's like am i just doing it or am i just doing it just so i can say i went back to the theater like what's the, yeah. the point you know yeah.
0: yeah no i got you there um do you want to you want to hit another two-minute topic or you want to go to a five-minute topic
1: Oh, I'll do the two minute one because it almost contradicts everything I just said about the. Oh, okay, go for it. All right, so all the stuff that I just said about the movies, well, I did not factor any of that stuff into when I went to a concert over the weekend. I went to a fucking concert for the first time in forever. I was so happy about it. It was outdoors. It was at the Greek Theater. I saw this band called Local Natives and um, this group Cherry Glazer that's from LA. It was actually really good live. So I had a fantastic time. That was the thing that I did to kill time when when Jess was out of town Mm -hmm. this weekend. And I'm not here to talk about the concert, but what I am here to talk about is something that I'm actually going to give Live Nation, a shout out for the good right now, which rarely happens, but this time around, I think that they deserve it. And um, where I'm going with this is, I went to the show and bef- like oh, literally, the, uh, like what's the song? Oh, the song is. Uh, sh- 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 give me one quick second here. The song is. It is "Get Back" by the Beatles. Because I was okay. getting back to the um, to the, the, gotcha, the concert gotcha. going thing. So okay, so yes, "Get Back" by the Beatles. Adam went back to a concert that he's going to segue into this um, shout out to Ticketmaster. So anytime that um, Jess goes out of town, unless there's something that I'm really excited about, what I usually do is just hang out till like, you know, the the day before the show. And I'm like, then I buy, I literally bought these tickets at like 1150 on Friday night before they would be more money because it was you buying tickets of the day of the show. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I go on live nations um, app, Like, I noticed uh, they had this thing which I had not seen before called verified fan resale. And let me fucking tell you, I absolutely love this. This is basically Live Nation giving people who bought concert tickets that either don't want to go or can't go the opportunity to resell their tickets. Uh And, like, and I gotta tell you, man, I didn't save a whole bunch of money, I only saved five bucks. But still, like the way concert tickets are, and especially with the way that these service fees are, if I'm feeling like I'm getting a deal, like I'm like I'm there. You know what I'm saying? Like it just it makes me feel like it just makes me feel like I'm getting something special. Like it's just a little bit of money off this ticket and everything. Mm -hmm. And turns out like this five dollars that was like I paid thirty dollars and fifty cents for the tickets. They were thirty five fifty face value. Because this ticket was only thirty bucks, which um, believe me, a high school me is like now shitting himself that I said only thirty dollars. <laughs> but um, because it was only thirty dollars, and I'm going to go into another one of these only things, is the service fee was only eight seventy-five, which I once again hate saying that. But the, and if it would have been if the ticket would have been more, the service fee would have been more. So mm-hmm. because of this five dollars less, I ended up getting a break again on the service fee. So once again, absolutely love this. This is something that I think Live Nation should have been doing a long time ago, um, ever, basically ever since StubHub came out, they should have been doing this. And I love it because number one, like it gives me the opportunity to get a little bit of a deal. Um, number two, it gives the, the seller, like the person who has the tickets, Another option of, oh, I'm just going to eat the tickets or give them away or have to try to sell them like to, to like one of your friends or something like that or on the Facebook marketplace, you know, so I was like. I hope to keep using this in the future. Um, this is something that, like, you're, I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, man, like you guys really should have did this a while ago. Like, this was hands down, like, these were concert tickets that I was, like, happy to purchase, you know? I was like, oh my god. Like, I just felt so great about getting a deal, and being that this was my first show back, and also the, the first show at the Greek Theater um, from, like, uh, you know, since the pandemic and stuff, it just really put like a nice little special kind of um, bow on the, the whole experience. And I'm telling you, I've told more people about this um, Live Nation discount than I have the actual show, which I mean was a good show. But like it's like we're not talking, you know, like um, we're not talking Hendrix at Woodstock here. But I mean, I still had a fun, fucking fun time and um, getting a little bit of cash off of it. Just it made everything a little bit better. And I will tell you, just so everybody – just so you know, everything did come around to get me in the way end when um, I was in the line for parking and (laughs) – There was a long line into this one lot, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I couldn't even see where this lot, where people were pulling in. So I decided to pull into another lot. And when I pull into the other lot, they're like, yeah, it's 50 bucks to park here. And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, gosh. <laughs> there, there are already cars behind me and stuff. I'm just like, oh, shit. Like, you,
2: I'm they like, got this you. whole
1: thing. Yeah, they did. They got me in the end. They really did. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah so i'm like i'm like okay so like i had um i had two beers in the in the trunk and stuff i'm like i'm drinking these in the parking lot yeah. like you fucking bet i'm paying mm-hmm. 50 bucks to park here and like there was there were rangers like all of like 25 feet from me they did not give a shit so i was i was <laughs> i'm like i'm getting my money's worth out of this whole thing in some way
0: absolutely absolutely yeah they always get you in the end but yeah it's 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 it is uh in local natives did they not just release like an album am i like thinking about that
1: Okay, they released a full album um, last year. Was it covers and or something? Recent, they did an album with Sharon Van Etten that was like a combination of some covers and okay. like a collaboration album in gotcha. the last like six to eight months. Yes. Okay, gotcha.
0: Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. No, it's uh, I like it's just funny to me. Like as as a person who's not like a big concert goer. I mean, I'll go. I just like it's not like that's not like top of mind for me to do something like to kill a Saturday night. It's just mm-hmm. like I, Chema, I applaud you for paying any fees on some of Like I'm just like I see that kind of stuff, and I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> nope. Like yeah. I, am I'm, I'm that asshole who like when we used to roll around a bowling green, we would go to um, we would go to this one uh, this one bar, Howard's, that had like a lot. You know, always you almost always had live. Well, no, they always had live music uh, for sure on Saturdays and pretty much almost every night of the week. And like you know, if you got there like on a Tuesday or Wednesday, sometimes you could just walk in. But like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're paying five to ten dollars, you know, fifteen dollars, like at the door, uh, depending yeah. on who was playing. And like sometimes it was like sometimes I'd walk up, they're like five bucks, I'm like, Who's playing? And they would you know, they'd tell me who it was. And I'm like, That's <laughs> No. So like I've right. I've always been that miser and I just like I like I can't imagine like paying just like casually like 40, 40 bucks for the ticket and then ni- and another fifty for parking, like uh my casual night out was ninety dollars just to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, I got to I you. give you credit for it. But like and I'm sure like and I'm sure you're there having a good time at your first concert forever. It didn't matter.
1: Yeah, at that, believe me, like once I got in the door, like a lot of that kind of washed away. But you should have seen like the look on my face when they dropped that on me, and I was like, oh, (laughs) damn it. Like, I just fucking knew it, you know, and I took 60 bucks out for the ATM and stuff. I was going to like buy some memorabilia and everything there. Like, no, that didn't happen. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that totally did not happen. Oh, it, and that, that's the thing, like, you know, the thing that really gets like one of the things I don't like about here out here is the paying to park thing. There's only a couple of venues right now where I'm comfortable just like leaving my car on the street and stuff, because a lot of the venues are in Hollywood or they're in downtown or something. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of clustered in these weird areas. But there are a couple outliers and the outliers are the better venues, like the lodge oh, sure. room and the trou- troubadour and stuff like that. So like I'm totally comfortable like leaving my car like by the troubadour in west hollywood and the lodge room is up in this area that's like basically the beach land but in la and stuff like that so like i'm cool with like my cars like you know kind of being in that area it's a little bit nicer than than collinwood but almost the same landscape Mm -hmm. and uh the pain to park thing it's like it's just like one extra like screw you, you know what I'm saying? And like when I go to the when I went to the forum to see Tame Impala before like the literally like two days before my office decided to close up, um, like that comes with the territory because I'm there's a big ass parking lot that leads up to the forum. And if I were to Uber there, it'd probably be like a little bit more money. So it's more right. economical for me to just drive there and park. But when you're getting into like this place, like the Greek theater and stuff like if you look at it like almost like the way like Nautica or Tower City Amphitheater would be like yeah, there are definitely like pay to park lots for Nautica and Tower City Amphitheater when Tower City was a thing. Mm-hmm. but you could sort of like find easily easy street parking like on the West Bank or the East Bank of oh, the yeah, class, for sure. like around those times. Mm-hmm. this is in it's in Griffith Park and there's there's houses around it. So like if you park on the street, you have to have a special colored sticker from the city to let people know that you actually live in the neighborhood and are just showing up to park for the, the concert and stuff. Gotcha. So there's l- just like little fucking things that kind of like, that add some unnecessary stuff. And the $50 I, pre- I prepared myself to pay $30 in parking, which I was totally against. And then when they hit me with 50, I was just like, you fucking Pollock! like you really you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I was just like, why did you, why did you get out of line to go into this other line?
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, it's, it's I know stretchy, for but... next time now. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> uh, store that in your mind. Like that's like whenever I go down um whenever I go down for especially baseball games, there's like a bunch of there's a bunch of like little garages um that you can find like along the sides. Like if you if you're really like looking carefully because mm-hmm. I I remember like I my old like my office now is in uh, is in Independence or actually I think like Seven Hills, but um old office used to be right next to the Jake and those lots that were like were like right there um you know we had we had like paid parking passes um but like <clears throat> on on game days like our lot went from $15 to $35 and on opening yep. day that lot was $45 and yep. it was just like i'm like man you like should i go out and tell these people that like if they go like a block like across the street there's a garage there that's $15 all the time like yeah does it matter like i i've gotten to know all of those little garages really well. Cause I'm not paying fucking mm-hmm. for a goddamn Indians game. I'm not paying $35. Are you kidding me? No, n-
1: not a chance. Like you can't tailgate in those things. Nope. Not a fucking chance. Nope. Absolutely not. If I pay in 35 bucks, like I expect to be able to drink in that lot, you exactly. know, like that's a bare minimum. <laughs>
0: exactly. Ah, uh, oh, there you go. Chema. Now. Yeah. Now, you know, for next time, um, yep. what, uh, what's your, what do you, what do you think your next concert is going to be?
1: Okay. So, um, see here it is it's going to be september so i am looking at uh jess and i are talking about going to see pearl jam and brandy carlisle like they're doing a festival in orange county and stuff like pearl jams only play in like four dates this year and they're Mm -hmm. all in orange county so um we're debating on going to the second of two shows of one of the weekends of this of this festival and stuff cuz it's like a, it's called the Ohana Festival and then there's the Ohana Encore weekend which has like um, some of the same groups from the first weekend but some different ones and stuff so um, is Pearl Jam, Brandy Carlisle and Sleater Kinney are the top 3 bands for oh, that nice. day that's that is probably going to be the next one Um, but I do have tickets to see idols in, um, in November. They're coming to, uh, the Fonda theater, I believe it's a place in Hollywood. So idols is coming in November. And then, um, oh my God, I do have, I have tickets for the hold steady, but that's in 2022. And I have one other show. Oh yeah. Next month. I'm going to see my morning jacket. So the next show will be next month. I'm going to see my morning jacket in Santa Barbara provided, they're still touring, which the, the what's be. going on now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's really weird because, um, so right now, um, like this, this week, even there has been a massive flood of, we're going to require a proof of vaccine. We're going to require a negative COVID test mm-hmm. to attend shows. These are coming from not just the venues, but like, um, Northeast Ohio, the venues banded together to do this. And they dropped the, this article yesterday on.com yeah. about yeah, the different yeah, venues. I saw that. Yeah. Like, LA is doing a very similar thing. So like all the venues that I follow on Instagram this past week have done the whole, you must provide a proof mm-hmm. of vaccine, everything. Some artists have also, I was going to um, say, I know a lot of artists same. are
0: starting to do it now.
1: A lot of artists, like a lot of people doing it. However, there have been these very interesting cases that I'm particularly focused on where this band string cheese incident, the jam band, the, mm-hmm. the, that one of the jam bands I like, they're on tour. They just canceled shows in Kentucky and Ohio, and then um, they, they canceled those, and then like two days ago canceled more dates. And I'm like, why are they? I'm like, that's really interesting. Like shows getting canceled in Kentucky, and then Nine Inch Nails canceled their Nautica shows mm-hmm. today. So I'm I'm in one of these points now where like, believe me, the, the carpet could get pulled up and everything be canceled tomorrow like that is completely within my scope of believability but i'm what i can't figure out right now is if um if nine inch nails and the string cheese incident are ahead of the game here thought process wise like they're you know cashing in their chips early and stuff because they know that things are going to get bad or if there's some other like thing that's like what canceled those shows, you know? Cause it's just like, if this, if Strange's Incident were playing in LA and they decided to cancel their show, it'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. Like this is California. It makes sense. But they canceled two shows in Kentucky back to back and then another show in Ohio. So like I'm, there might be some, some strange thing afoot at the circle K here. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I just, I'm particularly focused in on, why these things have gotten canceled. And if these shows are a microcosm for a trend that it will be kicking off very soon. Cause it's just weird. Like one, you know, it's totally possible, but like, it would be weird for like one week, Hey, proof of vaccination. And then the next week, no, we're just going to not do any shows. So it's weird, especially with the amount of shows that have been booked out here. Cause there's a lot.
0: That is interesting. I know, I know some shows, I know some individual artists have canceled shows because like they're in states because the venues aren't requiring anything like I, I, I there's some country artists that like canceled a bunch of shows in texas because the venues weren't requiring anything or like weren't weren't meeting who the fuck was it i don't i can't remember who it was a some country musician um they weren't is it meeting. Garth brooks because he
1: garth brooks just canceled his no, no 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 it, was, it
0: wasn't garth brooks it was lesser known like it just the only reason why it stood out to me is because like this guy, this guy essentially canceled the shows with these venues in like Houston. And I want to say, like an Austin, I want to say Houston and like outside of Dallas somewhere Um, that he like went the, the steps because like the venues weren't willing to like, like make the necessary steps for like, you know, to check for vaccination or check for, you know, do, you know, check mm-hmm. the testing or whatever else.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Like Kings of Leon canceled their show today. Cause somebody in the band tested has, yeah, positive for COVID. Yeah. So like, and, and, dude, like, you know, once I'm hearing stuff being canceled because of COVID, and then, like, I'm immediately going into, like, oh, great, colleges and NFLs and all this stuff are here. here I'm excited for it. And at the same time, like, who knows? Maybe there's a COVID outbreak in such and such team, and we're looking at games being canceled and, uh, like, a, something similar to last year, but I'm
0: not thinking on as grand a scale. No, I know? think the NFL will kill people <laughs> as long as they can right. play games. They don't give a fucking shit. they they will kill people they do not care
1: yeah it's like i'm yeah i just like what i've seen before i'm just like so with with music and stuff and especially outdoor venues i'm just like what do what do these people like what does string cheese incident and nails know that we don't know you know because i like string cheese incident in particular like they're not scoring movies and winning academy awards so like if they're touring this summer, like, that's money that that band is going to, like, live off of for, like, the next year until they have to tour again and stuff. And I am just, like, I can't figure it out, dude. And it's, like, one thing to cancel the Ohio and Kentucky shows. Then, right, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Because I, I figured basically anything would go in Ohio and Kentucky. And then they start canceling other shows. And it's, like, oh, man, like, what the hell's going on here?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, my, my only guess was that it's venue related. Like, that would be it's the kidding. reason why. But,
1: it's got
0: it's something like that. There's yeah. got to be something going on here. Oh man. All right. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Chema. Um, I, this isn't like a downer necessarily, but this is something like that. I I've definitely uh, like it, it kind of like crystallized for me this year. So, uh, okay. this, I'm going to get some lyrics for you here. I'm going with uh, motorheads bite the bullet, uh, to talk about this, uh, here, here are the, the relevant lyrics. Stepping out, I'm leaving here, no use crying, crying in my beer, enough's enough, believe it's true, bite the bullet, I'm leaving you.
1: I Lenny lyrics, those are Lenny-ass lyrics oh yeah. if I've ever heard them. Yep, Supposedly,
0: I, I, I watched a YouTube video of this being performed, of Bite the Bullet being performed live, and like he shouts out, he's like, uh, this is to my son and, uh, and my wife. I'm like, wait, this is to your son and your wife? <laughs> um, uh, okay, um, I, I, I'm sure there's other lyrics deer. in there that are more relevant, but uh, <laughs> anyway, that that just kind of struck me as weird. Um, but anyway, this is like Chema. I never ever want to see another bad sports injury. I, I I'm, I really mm-hmm. not that I was not that I ever like at one point in time in my life wanted to see them necessarily, but like in recent years, I've really become against seeing someone get viciously hurt in a game. You know, it doesn't matter yeah. the sport. Like, I'm really, like... And it's not like it's gross to me. I know some people get grossed out by it. I mean, it, it sometimes it's gruesome. Um, it just sort of, like... It just really sort of set in this year uh, when uh, Indians outfielder Josh Naylor pretty gruesomely broke his leg in a bad collision. Um, mm-hmm. That was all over. That was all over Twitter for hours and hours and hours. The slow-mo replay... Of Josh Nero getting his foot caught underneath his own leg and watching it like twist around, it—not it, the worst, I, not even close to being the worst I've ever seen. But there's just like there's something about like logging onto Twitter or or any social media site and just being bombarded with that over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah, it just feels—it feels very disrespectful in a way. Mm-hmm. And I I try to think about it this way. And I, you know, imagine along with me, imagine if everyone online had a video of the worst fucking moment of your life and they're watching it and sharing it over and over again. And it wasn't for like, you know, it's one thing when like, you know, it's one thing like you see it live, right? Like when, you know, like, if I don't know if you're watching, you happen to be watching like last year when Dak Prescott broke his leg. Um, mm-hmm. obviously the Josh Naylor thing, uh, it was really hard to see it live because like the way the camera follows in baseball, you don't really like see that kind of stuff up close. Um, right. it just looked like he fell down and it was, you know, like you didn't really see it until you saw the replay, but like das- Dak Prescott's leg breaking, like you see it live. It's one thing you can't, you can't like not see it. We had that experience right. a couple years ago with the Cavaliers when Gordon Hayward broke his ankle uh, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And like the oh, camera, yeah. was, the camera was right there to show his foot turned the wrong way and his leg pointing the wrong direction. Um,
1: yeah, I know what you mean.
0: That's like that's one thing. It's it's unavoidable, right? Like it just you're gonna see it. But again, there's something about it just being just propagating on social media that feels disrespectful, and and also like just very cynical and gruesome because it's not like because people are watching it for amusement, they're not. They're not like you can't you can't convince me that these are all doctors examining the injury <laughs> slow mo, real time to break down like exactly what's happening to this guy's ankle or arm or whatever else. Um, mm-hmm. I assume that these that these same people that like really kind of dig into this and like, well, we got to see it because it's really important. It's not important that you see this again, it, it truly isn't. Right. We can just tell you that something happened and like that's enough. And I, I assume that these same people, if we had a video of them in a bad car accident, probably wouldn't want everyone to see that over and over again and break it down frame by frame. Right. So oh, I'm, yeah, just, I'm done with it, man. Like it's like I like I saw the I saw the slow. I didn't even see the slow mo replay fully through. I like saw some screenshots of like Naylor's ankle twisted to the side, and I was just like, you know what? That's enough. Like I don't fucking need to see this shit anymore.
1: Yeah, man some of that stuff like is brutal to watch. Oh yeah. Like, I mean the Gordon Hayward thing and I'll tell you, uh, Willis McGahey's knee injury from the national championship game inwards. like 20 years ago. I can't believe it didn't hurt yeah.
0: himself worse.
1: Yeah. Like that shit is like still burned into my mind. You know, the fact that that guy was even playing football again within three years is a fucking miracle, you know? And, um, and believe me, there've been, there's been crazier shit that has taken place since then, you know? um, for me, like, like, I just, it makes me uneasy in general. Like when I see stuff like that, like, cause for me, I'm a tall ass dude and like, you know, one wrong foot placement here or one slip there, like that could easily be my fucking ass. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like easily. And, um, I remember like, you know, to comment like about the, um, you know, the enjoyment stuff of it, like. I remember there was a basketball game. It was a college basketball game. And somebody's like bone, like Kevin cracked Ware through their leg had a, yes. had
0: a total, had a total, like uh, I can't remember what they call it. A total, but a total fracture where His bone was sticking out. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it, disgusting. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: And then like the next day there's people, one thing in particular, like, you know, like Rafiki and the lion King holding Simba out and everything. Yeah. And he's on top of that, that mountain. Somebody put like Rafiki on the part of the bone that was like sticking out of this dude's leg. And I'm just like, all right, man, like, no, just no, 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 here. Like that, that seems like you're like crossing a fucking line, mm-hmm. you know, like when you're really getting like that level of enjoyment out of somebody else's like pain and misery, I think it really like, you know, shines some light on who you are as an individual and all that. And um, the last thing is that when people are hurt, sports fucking suck when the stars don't play yeah and like if you want to take this last year's nba season for or uh, not like not last year but the, the previous year where like kevin durant was out the whole year mm-hmm. steph curry and clay thompson were both out clay thompson was out again this year um he, even just like what happened in the uh with like Kyrie and everything being yep. out in the playoffs like it just it's it, it tampers and kind of it doesn't like taint any victories here you know what I'm saying like I'm not saying that like Giannis is oh my god like they didn't have Kyrie your championship doesn't count fuck no it counts on all that and then some and I'm glad the Bucks won but it sort of like diminishes the product when you don't have your big fucking stars out on the court you know for everybody to watch especially in like the playoffs and stuff like it's a world of difference like when um, you know, if Steph Curry and Clay Thompson like aren't in it for the season, like, yeah, of course it fucking sucks. But like if the Warriors would have somehow made it to the playoffs like that year, which they didn't, but if they would have and then Steph and Clay aren't there, it's like no. Like what the hell's the fucking point? You know, like that's why you wanna that's the only reason you'd even watch the Warriors is the whole Splash Brothers thing. Exactly. So so I'm I'm not about this and like You know, these people got to fucking who do this think well, like, number one, you're right. Like, would you want that on your, uh, on your, you know, YouTube channel or everybody else's channel? Like, with you being in a car accident or just even your video going viral, like, I don't want that. But then you also got to think about it, like, would you even want this happening to like your own sports team where like your dudes are mm-hmm. going down left and right? Like, cause the other team's hurting them. Is this something you want? Are you going to get the same enjoyment from watching your player get hurt as you would the other team's player get hurt? And if you are, that's a real fucking issue. But, uh, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> so, um, I am, I'm, I'm on the, the, I'm on the side of this argument that you are on. Um, it just got it got old. Like maybe when I was younger, like maybe this stupid thing would be like, "Oh my god, somebody got hurt. Let me look at a broken ankle and then go to FacesOfDeath.com when it first like you know hit the internet." Mm. But now I'm like, now I, I don't want to like see that shit. We have enough for broken bones and movies and crap like that. I don't want to see it in real life.
0: It it just just recently, um, Oakland A's pitcher Chris Bassett got hit in the face with a hundred mile an hour line drive. Um, to, uh, he's an Ohio one too. Went to he's from like the Toledo area. Played play baseball at Akron. Um, he's like he's like a big he, he's a big Indians and Cleveland fan. Otherwise, um, but he got smoked right in the face, and it's not gruesome. Like, you know, he's not like soaked in blood or anything. And like, it sounds like he's gonna be essentially okay. Like, the ball didn't hit him in the eye or anything. But like, I I saw it once. You hear the crack of this ball hitting him in the head, and like that was enough. Like it wasn't, this wasn't even like, you know what I mean? It wasn't even like visually gruesome, but like once was enough. I don't want to see that thing ever again, ever again. All right, Chama. So we got, uh, we both have a five minute topic left. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Yes. And I was going to say like you are hitting on something big time with that baseball hitting story because that shit scares the hell out of me, dude. And I remember like as a kid, like, that was one of my biggest fucking things was to get zonked in the face with a baseball and stuff like coming at you at a thousand miles an hour and everything. And the, I just got the willies from that. That's why I like turn off my microphone a little bit.
0: Yeah, I know. I got you. I got you. Yeah. It's a, the, the, the pitcher, the pitcher getting drilled. That's like one of those ones that like, that's the scariest one. I mean, they're less than, by the time they release the ball, they're less than 60 feet away from a ball coming at them at usually, especially like usually gets hit back up the middle. It's square you know no one's ever like miss hitting a ball up the middle so right. like it's coming at 100 plus miles an hour and if you if you're a pitcher that doesn't finish in like the best feeling position like i remember i remember years ago uh tim hudson got hit square in the i think it was against the indians actually got hit square in the chest but it's because like the way he finishes he comes like almost like in a feeling position had he mm-hmm. finished kind of awkwardly with like head down, you know, falling off to one side of the mound, for sure that would have cracked him square on the skull.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Just, man. Like, yeah, see, I had the willies there. Okay. Yeah. Real, I'm telling you, that was just, like, one of my biggest fucking fears playing the sport. And just even the thought of it, like, just just kind of makes me jump a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because that Mm. just is something I want no part of whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
0: All right. Let's get on to it. Last, uh, your last topic here, our last five-minute topic. Take it away, Gemma. (sighs) Oh.
1: All right. Okay. So this one is titled This Joke Isn't Funny Anymore, which is a song by the Smiths off their 1984 album, Meat is Murder. And I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about the uh, Suicide Squad earlier. And I'm going to take this conversation um, a little bit farther um, down a road that I've kind of mentioned. I've, I've tr- sprinkled little rumblings of this throughout the duration of us doing the podcast together. But The Suicide Squad might be my last hurrah when it comes to the humor via banter dialogue in blockbusters and stuff. So I'm going to – okay, actually, I mapped this whole thing out here, so just give me a second. (laughs) All right, so we all know the traditional setup of the punch – you know, the setup and punchline. And just to give an example from Suicide Squad, the whole like big scene when they're all in the room together in the beginning, um, Amanda Waller, Viola Davis, mentions uh, Operation Starfish, and that's the setup. John Cena delivers the punchline where it's like, oh, Starfish, that's a slang expression for butthole. Do you think that they're related? Which is totally a joke that that character would crack, mm-hmm. and it is a traditional joke that did not pump the brakes on the scene in any way shape or form if anything that joke carried the scene and acted as a bridge line of dialogue to other lines of dialogues and jokes that are in that particular scene okay so that is the traditional setup and punchline. however in recent times and more recently i'd probably say around jurassic world is when this whole thing really started to kick off of course there has been Yeah. Oh, yeah. And believe me, like, and you know exactly what I'm going to say here, because Mm -hmm. in Jurassic World, there was so much back and forth between Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard about their relationship and Mm -hmm. so many like um, lines where Chris Pratt would say something and then she delivers. Oh, well, that's just how you used to be kind of type line or our relationship ended because of that type lines. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So. Um Jurassic World is a big like um uh, like a big like example of this. Um in Aquaman, like the banter between Amber Heard and Jason Momoa and stuff like that. Like the it's you know, that they were there were some scenes of them like um, you know, just kind of talking back and forth and these kind of elaborate um banter back and forth, you know, where they're you know, it's obviously like a formative relationship type dialogue, but you know, they're making cracks at each other or this, that, and the other, try to get some humor there. Um, Shazam has got another one of these um, I, like Avengers Infinity War is actually like one of my what I consider to be like the best example of this and you're also you have Robert Downey Jr. there which helps out a lot but uh, Avengers Infinity War had some of the best banter through humor dialogue like ever and like the Avengers ice cream and all the, the mm-hmm. movie references and stuff like that like I, I really like that but that was a long time ago and this is now and we've seen a lot of examples of this Um, Not only before Endgame, but we've seen it after after Endgame and Infinity War. And I'm just kind of over it. And when I'm watching Suicide Squad, which I really did love, like, I won't give a full review of the movie, but like, I was a big fan of it way better than the last one. Uh, James Gunn just needs to be doing rated R movies and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, I could see how his humor transitions into guardians in the PG 13 world, but rated R and doing really crazy six t- and sick and twisted stuff. This is this dude's wheelhouse oh, yes. for fucking yes, for is. sure, for sure. And there's a lot of things in the suicide squad that I thought were absolutely hysterical. Like, you know, and there's a lot of really great physical comedy and stuff, but there was also these banter humors, this is using humor banter back and forth and all that, where I'm just kind of like, okay, like I'm over this. And like, we saw it a lot. And there are a couple examples where like, it feels normal. Like when all the guys are on the plane in the beginning and they're talking about the weasel, is it a werewolf? And there's all this back and mm-hmm. forth between the cast that I thought worked really well. Um, Even some of the exchanges between Idris Elba and John Cena, and they're doing the whole beach full of penises thing, which then gave us the opportunity to learn how Bloodsport feels about Peacemaker. It gave us some insight into Peacemaker's personality. So like these things I, I thought were examples of how it works. But then there are other times in the movie, like in which I can't even believe that I have to fucking say this, but in the third goddamn act, the third fucking act of the movie, when they're getting ready to go save Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn walks up on them from the, from the streets, a scene we saw in the fucking trailer, no less. And it's like, okay, so yeah, there's this whole thing to get her out of there and they're just stopping to have this banter back and forth, you know? And mm-hmm. it just drives me insane because it really, like it pumps the brakes on the movie. And like I said, when you do it in times like when a bunch of people are on a plane or when a couple of people just approached a beach and are having a conversation for the first time that we've seen, Yes, like these type of situations work where the banter humor is good back and forth, but other times it just slows up the scene and it pumps the brakes big time and it does it so much to where I'm sort of convinced that every time I see this happen, Number one, it is extremely identifiable and it is extremely identifiable because number two, it feels like they just like reshot this and worked it back in there. Like there's no natural flow to it whatsoever. It's almost like, hey, we got this movie. We're going over in the editing room. Everything looks great. OK, so Bloodsport and Rick Flagg are getting ready to save Harley. We haven't really had any funny stuff happen in about two minutes or so. So, like, how could we make mm-hmm. this funnier? And then they go back and they rewrite it and they get everybody to shoot it. And then they just shoot the new scenes into the movie and stuff. And you could even, like, there are times where, like, especially with the old Suicide Squad, where they reshot it to make it funnier. It is so noticeable. Like, even the way that they look is even noticeable, you know? With the Suicide Squad, they did a little bit better job of disguising the appearance. And for all I know, it may have that may have been in the original script. I'm just saying, like what it felt like to me. Mm -hmm. But it's like these brake pumping and this banter dialogue was still all over the place in Suicide Squad, and that was not the funniest parts of the movie. The funnier parts of the movie were all the crazy kills. Um, polka dot man. And hit the thing with his mom, um, fricking, uh, oh, got Nathan Fillion and the dude, his arms pop up and he mm-hmm. just f- fucking punches people in the face. Like that shit was funny. Not this whole like dialogue exchanges just between the characters for no reasons whatsoever. And I will top it off by saying one of the things that contributed to how annoying this whole thing was was the way that they made Joel Kinnaman's accent. They really fucking kicked up the country on his accent. And he sounded so different from number one, how Joel Kinnaman sounds regularly and how he did in the first
0: movie. He can't do it.
1: No, like not a chance, dude. And like, you know, like how you would um, you saw the killing and stuff. He was Mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of like the, almost like the, the, the white guy trying to be an African-American in terms of being a rapper. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was
0: white urban trash.
1: Right, exactly. And like, with that, he pulled off that accent so perfectly. It was also the same accent that he did for Altered Carbon. And, like, the accent was slightly modified for the first Suicide Squad to maybe sound a little bit more, like, forceful and stern, like a, like an army guy who was as decorated as he was. But in this one, he sounded like, there's this guy, to Harley, you know, it's just, like, not that much on the south. But there was a little bit of twang in there. And, like it threw off some scenes and a lot of the scenes that I'm talking about where the brakes are being pumped are scenes that involve him.
0: No, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 completely agree with that. Uh, where's Kinnaman from Denmark? He is Swedish. Swedish. That's right. It's, it's not the, the, just flatten it out. Like you do for like he did for Robocop. Like, yeah, just flatten it out. Sound like a quote unquote American and just flatten it out. That have been, that would have been plenty. A country accent is hard. For certain mm-hmm. like like for certain people from certain parts of, of the world a country accent is hard there's there's letters and pronunciations that you, like they don't have right. um, like it like it would be very odd for like a German person to lean that heavily on like R's and L's and things because they don't mm-hmm. they don't do that in their own language um, right same with same with like a lot of the Nordic languages they're just not they don't like lend themselves well to certain accents. So just flatten it out. Like I, it was one of those things I noticed too. It just felt kind of strange, um, mm-hmm. it, you know. It, that that felt strange. But you're right about. You're definitely right about like the moments of banter, and I blame. This is one of those things I 100. I mean, this has existed in movies forever. Like I, I'm thinking, one of the first movies that came to mind was, um, uh, oh god damn it, Temple of Doom. Um, okay. There's there's back and forth between Indiana Jones and everyone, but mm-hmm. it's at it's not like a distraction. It's at certain points that they right. that they use the um or not uh, no, not a Temple of Doom, excuse me. Um first one. Last Crusade. The, no, first one. First one. Um oh. With the Eric of the Covenant. God
1: Oh Jesus Christ. The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders
0: of the Lost Ark, thank you. With between him and Mary and Ravenwood. That there's there's those banter moments, but like they don't the movie doesn't screech to a stop usually because like they're bantering while like it's happening and it just feels natural. Um, so it's, there's nothing new, but this is, but what you're talking about is something that I 100%, this is one of those things that I blame on Marvel that Mm -hmm. because this was a big hit with, and a lot of it depends on the actor. Robert Downey Jr. Is great at this. He can, you know, he can, he can do these little asides and like, you're there for Robert Downey Jr. Doing it. Um, But like, because that's a big hit with all the, all of the damn Marvel movies, all of them do this, every other movie that's kind of superhero adjacent or superhero direct is like, well, we got to have that scene. We got to have these scenes of banter between the characters. Like we have to have it. And it's one of those things like I've, I've said before and I'll say it again. I don't dislike Marvel movies, but like for, I dislike the, because it's such a juggernaut. I dislike a lot of the things that other movies are doing in response to kind of look like those movies.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And this dialogue thing, this is a big one. And if anybody out there wants a defining piece of something that you would look at and be like, okay, that guy is right – Look at the difference between the Joss Whedon Justice League and the Zack Snyder Justice League. Joss Whedon's Justice League, that's where all of the humor comes from, okay? Like, there's there's even this scene where, like, he was making Ben Affleck look, like, comical, talking about, like, if there's even 10,000% of a chance it must be done, you know, like, this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like... It is not in the Snyder Cut at all. It's not there. It's like non-existent. There's not even one example of it in the Snyder Cut. Like maybe a couple, like, at least to the degree of pumping the brakes. There's some banter between the flash and everybody, right. you know, but but that doesn't stop the scene. That doesn't pump the brakes. That keeps everything going. There's no let's just stop and have everybody crack jokes for 30 seconds or even like, God, I keep going back to like Thor Ragnarok where like the, a lot of the humor scenes are just basically like, no, like you're like, just Chris Hemsworth, like saying, no, you're wrong. Or, Oh, this, the other, like, Oh geez, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, like lines of dialogue like that. And, um, I am just over it. Like I'm really fucking over it. (laughs) And, uh, I hope that in time, we start to steer away from this and maybe find better ways and more creative ways of presenting humor than hey by the way these two characters talk in this script what can we get out of here that's funny you yeah. know we don't we we need to move beyond this because eventually even though you know it's basically a recession proof formula in terms of marvel like and even maybe even to a certain degree some of the dc DC stuff depending on which character being recession proof but um at time people are gonna get hyped to this and while the movie may go out and make like a billion dollars people may think that hey maybe it's not as funny as some of the earlier stuff Mm -hmm. or oh man like they're still like doing that you know and um i have a feeling that If this continues to go and more movies, more non-superhero movies start to see this and adapt this, that we're going to take what could what is like a really great way of telling jokes and being funny and also getting to know the characters, and we're going to take this and just like bastardize the shit out of it and when anytime somebody does it even though it could be good it's probably going to be viewed down as badly like god why are you having this banter in here can't they just talk about the movie like and i have a feeling that in time we could end up going there if there isn't more variety
0: i yeah i i i completely agree with you it is it is the we've talked about before um and I, i won't be too i won't be too long on this we've talked about this before it's the it's the Reservoir Dogs effect, only like a different version of it, where yep. post-Reservoir Dogs, we got to have a scene with all these people sitting around talking about nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, That's exactly right. That yep. filled so many movies in the 90s where your, your your crew of criminals, it doesn't have to be criminals, could be anybody, but we're going to have a scene where these two people sit and talk about nothing that has anything yep. to do with the movie, and then they're all of a sudden going to be essentially inserted into the action of the movie.
1: That's exactly right, dude. That's, I, there are some, several pieces of banter from Con Air that come to my mind like when I'm thinking about this whole thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's – yeah, man. It's like – and I know that you know, in all reality everything is just the same thing but redone and all this stuff. And even some, some jokes are basically the same jokes but just change the, the topic of conversation. And when the Avengers and all this stuff did it, and because of RDJ, they like they just they seem to like knock it out of the park, like it's this gold standard, but everybody else isn't gonna have Robert Downey Jr. You right. know, everybody like you're barely gonna be lucky if you have a, a charismatic actor at all, like with half the charisma mm-hmm. as Downey Jr. does. So it's just something that I think we're gonna have to move beyond this. And I'm like I just don't want like whatever the next DC Suicide Squad movie is to just be a replay of that, you know, we're still Peacemaker and Bloodsport are still going back and forth, and I just, I want, I hopefully that there's a way to to take it to the next level. Yeah, I, th-
0: I, th- yeah, you know, I, th- I, I guess if if they ever put um, any of these superhero movies back in the hands of Zack Snyder, it won't happen. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it won't happen. Just thinking about like now that you are like you got a jog my memory on the original Justice League, the where. <clears throat> where bruce meets meets aquaman um in the josh yeah. whedon version there's jokes galore some guitar riffs um a little mm-hmm. like kind of fuck you as on his way out um yep. and in sex nerds version it's a straight conversation where he denies where he denies bruce and then it ends with a finished folk song so like yep yep
1: i know wildly different I keep seeing this meme that's been going around. I actually retweeted it because I love it so much. On one side, it's a, a clip from Paul Verhoeven's RoboCop, and it's um, RoboCop at the end when he's in the water with the, the helmet off and stuff. Yeah. Just like how it is in the movie. And then to the right of it is Zack Snyder's RoboCop, which is the same image, but there's Jesus on a cross burning in the background and all
0: this other stuff <laughs> in the background.
1: It's a, geni- it's a genius meme. That's I a absolutely one. love it. Yeah,
0: it's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we are actually. I'm also going entertainment um, with uh, with my last topic here, and I'm going again old, a little oldie. Um, I believe I'm pretty sure this is off of um, pretty sure this is off of Bad. I could be wrong though, but uh, the Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson.
1: Oh, I think you're right.
0: I do think it's off Bad. I think it's yes, off it Bad. Um, so Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson, and this is this is about looking at yourself and asking this question. Why on earth did we reboot this? Um, the unasked for reboot, the unrequested reboot. The I, I don't even can't even put a figure on it. Just off the top of my head, these are the ones that like came to mind. I'm sure there's others that have like come and gone more recently, but like these are the ones that came to mind because they're at least I think three out of the four are still on. Um, but okay. like Magnum PI, Hawaii Five mm-hmm. yep. O, MacGyver. Uh, CBS clearly loves rebooting old properties Um, Mm. Turner and Hooch Um, I guess I think next week Fantasy Island Um, Chema who the fuck wanted any of these shows to be remade it like I I don't get it I I mean I get it from like a a, from an IP standpoint they probably had the rights to these things but like I don't Mm -hmm. get it because the next probably the more important question is who are they making these shows for Um, I'm going to go down a quick list over here of when these shows were on. Um, In one case, it's a movie, but um, Magnum P.I. was on from 1980 to 1988. Um, It started before we were born and ended before we were four. Hawaii Five-0, on 1968, ends 1980. It ended four years, three or four years before either of us were born. Uh, Turner and Hooch, 1989 movie with Tom Hanks. This is not a beloved Tom Hanks movie. Nor right. is it a good movie, nor is it really a happy movie, as the 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 uh, the titular or the eponymous dog Hooch gets fucking murdered at the end of this movie. Right. Um, MacGyver runs from 1985 to 1992. Um, you know, we were conscious and alive. Actually, I actually do remember watching it like an immediate reruns in the mid 90s. Um, mm-hmm. Fantasy Island runs from 1977 to 1984. So it wraps up when, you know, I'm probably a few months old and you're probably like just being born. Um, so what audience are they trying to capture by rebooting all of these? It certainly isn't us because we were barely conscious for any of these. Um, it just doesn't make sense to reboot for millennials, fucking Magnum P.I. Um, it's not Gen Z because these shows were like over for a decade before they're even born. And, as far as I know, studios don't make shows for Boomers and Gen X. So, what, like, what is what is the secret here that I'm missing out on? That, that um, other than IP, what is the secret here that goes? You know what? You know it's due for a reboot. Turner and Hooch is a TV show. I, I truly don't get it. And then when you want to take this a step farther, the reason why a lot of these shows, like Magnum PI, was a huge show for Tom Selleck you know why it's a huge show and why it like people are so beloved because Tom Selleck is fucking oozing charisma and Jay Hernandez is not, um, (laughs) he's just not Richard Dean Anderson had this really fun, cool dorkiness to his version of MacGyver. Like that's like, it really appealed to the nerd in me and probably the nerd in a lot of people that like our hero is a fucking smart guy who's, Mm -hmm. you know, sure. Like there are some fisticuffs, but usually he was going to use his brain to get out of every situation. This version is this version uh, played by Lucas Till. It's still a nerd, but like he's an army veteran who kicks ass, and every hot chick wants to sleep with him. Like, it, like they're kind of missing. So in that, in those two cases, they're missing the point anyway. Of like what made these characters like like well known, and what made the shows, you know, well known shows. I I, Chima, I just don't get like why we're why some of the properties that they have chosen to reboot are being rebooted. Here's a few more, Chama, that will fucking leave you stumped that they're going to reboot okay. in the next couple years. Um, do you remember uh, you remember the movie that they made out of this with Will Ferrell, uh, Bewitched? They're going to reboot Bewitched. As the show? Yep. Okay. Don't know why. Not really sure who yeah, that's no. for. That show ended 38 years ago or something like that or 45 years ago. Yeah. Um, Nash Bridges is being rebooted. <laughs> With Cheech oh, Marin returning God. at, at his, in his role, no idea. Oh the Jetsons is being rebooted as a live action show. Jesus. And maybe know. maybe the one that's it's. I mean, it's more recent, so I get it. But this one is absolutely head scratching to me. How I Met Your Father is going to be a show. Ugh. Oh, okay. All who right. Chema? Who are these four? Like
1: the the How I Met Your Father thing, How I Met Your Mother was just off the air. Like it's been, it hasn't even been ten years or whatever. I like think maybe, like five years ago. No, it's been four, five, five years ago. Something like that. Yeah. And okay, all right. Okay, so when it comes to yeah, that one is completely like lost on me. The The Jetsons thing is like other than. the, what are they trying to like balance the live action scale where like they did a live action Flintstones movies? And now I have, they have no to do idea. Ba- I
0: have no to... clue.
1: So yeah. Cause it's like, and the, the other ones you mentioned, like I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to even hypothesize here and like where my mind is going. This is how, this is how much I'm grasping at straws here is that the only thing that could come to my mind is that like somehow Maybe something from Turner and Hooch went viral and they were like, oh, my God, like somebody shared this meme from Turner and Hooch. There must be interest here. Let's <laughs> reboot it. Or like, um, you know, like take Hawaii 5 for example, like the expression 5 and cops right. and all this stuff, like maybe – that was the hot vernacular at the time when the show was being developed. So they're like, Oh, well you guys already have the IP. Let's just take all these people and all these hot modern people and we'll throw them in this new rendition of Hawaii five Oh. So like, yeah, it it almost makes me wonder like why, what's the difference between calling it Hawaii five Oh and just calling it Hawaii nine one one or something like that. Right. You know, like, do they really have to go that route And like MacGyver and stuff like, you know, if you were going to reboot MacGyver, why didn't you do it in 1999 when everybody was hot off the whole MacGyver smoker thing from half baked? That Mm -hmm. was the last time that the phrase MacGyver has even been in like people's speeches and stuff like that.
0: Or how about when MacGruber became a big hit off SNL?
1: Yeah, that too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that would have been another time. Like, hey, like, here's what MacGruber is supposed to be. Like, check this out. You know, it's probably I guarantee it's better than the movie. Um, So like, like, that's the kind of stuff in terms of like, how maybe these ideas fester. But I mean, dude, I, like I have stupid ideas fester all the time. Like I spent a, a couple I spent like a couple hours a couple weeks ago developing a version of Hung that takes place between the first lady and her male prostitutes, you know, like <laughs> so I mean, like the shit comes into people's minds all the time that doesn't necessarily make it right for television, even though that idea is going to be on TV one of these days, I promise. Sure. But um, yeah, <laughs> so like um, I, I just don't get it. And you're right, like if they're not making shows for like Gen Z and stuff when this stuff would have been on, who are you making it for? And that you're also taking a pretty big leap of faith that any audience that's even watching CBS was also fans of MacGyver when they were growing up. And I, I highly doubt that, um, older people are sitting around and they're like, yeah, you know, we miss MacGyver in the eighties. Like, what do you think about tuning into this reboot? Mm-hmm. And all the kids are talking about it? Like, they, I just don't even see that. So they, they could just be doing one of these, like, well, hey, it's established; people have heard of it. Let's throw it to the wall and see if it sticks. But more often than not, some of these reboots aren't going to stick the way that the originals were, because the originals were just so written for the times, and maybe even really unique for the times, like MacGyver being this nerdy dude who who like um, kicks ass and and everything like that. Like, you know, that's nothing new now, but it might have been something new back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a little bit lost on this myself. Um, I really would like to know more, but also at the same time, I don't want to find out more because I'm seriously afraid that the answer is going to be, well, it's just, we could just reboot it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, people have heard of it. That's better than going with a show that no one hasn't heard. But is it really though? (laughs)
0: Like, is that that really
1: the the best move?
0: And I honestly, I think this is again, one of those things, that you can this is one of those things I think you can blame on comic book movies, period. Not just Marvel. That mm-hmm. studios and, tele, and TV studios too, movie studios and TV studios see this as like, well, people know what it is, at least. So right. we'll use existing IP. And I and as far as like Turner and Hooch, I think that that's on Disney plus, I'm pretty sure. Um that like I get it. They probably have the rights to it. And we're like, well, we need something. So why don't we why don't we make a, a you know, a, a feel-good family comedy out of, a, out of a movie that was not a feel-good family comedy in which Tom Hanks is an asshole alcoholic and someone murders his dog. Um, right. Like, like so I, I get it from that point of view, but, like, man, like, who who the fuck is, gives a shit that Fantasy Island is going to be back next week? Seriously. These people are, like, in their 80s now. You're not making shows for them.
1: Right, and you have Fuckboy Island on HBO. So, what are you possibly going to achieve in Fantasy Island that you're not going to achieve on Fuckboy Island? And they
0: just—they just did last year. No, two years ago, they just did a Fantasy Island horror version. It was a horror movie. Oh my god! <laughs> Which I'm sure is—I didn't believe me. Didn't bother, but I'm sure it's stupid as fuck. So, like, it's right. already like it's—it's already out there. We've already tried it. Like, I don't—I don't know why we need to do it again. If this show lasts more than like a couple seasons, I'd be shocked.
1: Yeah, and it's even like if you're going for something, only have it last a couple seasons. And so what is even the point? Like you want to enter something with the idea that it's either going to be have a definitive ending, like yes, this show we're only buying it for three seasons, or it's supposed to go on forever. Like why even put yourself in mm-hmm. that position to fail? Like they can't be making that much money off of these shows. Like I, because I, if they were, they wouldn't only they wouldn't be going two or three
0: seasons. Right. I mean, in fairness, the Hawaii Five O, the Hawaii Five O reboot was on for like. 11 years. I mean, it was on for almost as long as, like, the original was on. Um, But, yeah, like, I I, I don't, you know, I can't imagine Fantasy Island gets very far. I remember several years ago, they rebooted Dallas and Dynasty. Those are both on for, like, a collective, like, seven seasons between the two of them. Um, You know, like, the the one that terrifies me, um, the one that really terrifies me, and I think it's a limited series, but nonetheless, it terrifies me, is the Dexter reboot. Like,
2: yeah,
0: there's a lot of people that are excited about it. And I'm like, I'm like, do you not remember what they did to that show in the last season? And you're excited about them. And honestly, I've said this before. Dexter is a show that like season to season and even episode to episode is wildly uneven where there are Mm -hmm. there are episodes in good seasons that are bad. And I do not trust them to come back with like 10 good episodes. Not at all.
1: No, I, I don't want the Dexter reboot because I just kind of want to remember Dexter the way I remember Dexter, which is just, you know, the first couple of seasons and then some really good stuff, you know, here and there throughout the, Mm -hmm. like after the Trinity killer season, basically. Right. And, um, what to me, it either, like, this is really interesting, like conflict of inner conflict that I have with myself because what we got with the Justice League is not going to happen every time. Nope. And I think that and I think that people um, think that because something is going to be redone, that all wrongs are going to be righted. And, you know, like, oh, we're just not even going to forget about that. We're not even going to remember that last season, the Dexter. But I don't think that that's the case. And, like, the Zack Snyder Justice League is a – very very rare example. And like, because me, because I like DC movies, like, yeah, I was all about this from Mm -hmm. day one. I I don't want an air cut. And if they put out an air cut, I'm going to, I will actually kind of be a little bit upset by that of the suicide squad or a suicide squad. But, um, I am, I'm just like not a fan of, Hey, something, by the way, people don't like it. So then we're going to go bring it back to try to give it like a second time around. And what happens, which could easily happen with Dexter when that gets shit on by every fucking cri- by every critic known to man, or like when the audience is turned off from it, like are people like, let's just say the, let's just say hypothetically that the first episode doesn't really deliver. Then you have all these people that are just like, what? So we're going to watch nine more episodes of this stuff. You know, like, I mean, would you even do that considering there's so much other shit to watch on TV? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if Dexter has that kind of rabid fan base where if, the, if if the first episode is just a little off where they're gonna hang out with it to the way end and to be honest with you they shouldn't because they have so many fucking different options on television if
0: yeah, yes <laughs> like yes I agree with I agree with all of that I, I here's like if if you were like just thinking about Dexter specifically like I guess the reboot's gonna follow him like 10 years post. Exile yep. in wherever the hell he is, Oregon or something. I would almost be much more interested if they said we're rebooting it, so it's going to be a one season, you know, uh, mini series. We're rebooting it more faithful to the book and well, books, mm-hmm. and wherein Dexter is, you know, how he always talks about his dark passenger in the in the series, yeah. and that's like a, his drive, you know, the the thing inside him that makes him kill. Well, yes, in the books, that's a fucking South American demon. Yep. Um, it's an actual, like, he's actually possessed. Mm-hmm. That would be, I would be much more intrigued and would sit through 10 episodes of that if that's what they were doing. Then continuing a character that they already fucked up.
1: Yeah, because at least when you have the whole, like, it's supposed to be more true to the books, that's an interesting hook, and that at least implies some level of being different. And I'm not going to lie, it also implies that, like, Hey, by the way, um, we're actually sticking to the fucking source material, which 90% of the time is better than the actual product on the, um, on the screen. You know, there are mm-hmm. probably rare examples of movies that are better than the books. I, I've know, actually, like if,
0: I've actually heard the Dexter books. was it Dexter Dexter dreams, darkly or something like that. Is the first, yeah. I, I can't remember they're call, but like, I've actually heard that like, those are fucking like insane in a very, oh, I've... in a very strange way that like, so I would actually say the probably the show is better. But, but nonetheless, like at the very least, that's a hook that you can get me with where I'm like, wait a second, Dexter is possessed by a demon. Okay. Right. I'm interested. You're reeling me in here. Or, you know, something, you know what I would even take, like
1: on the, on the farthest end of the spectrum, I would take, if they said, we're going to reboot the last season, we're just going to go redo the last season. (laughs) I think that would hook me in. And also like, if we're talking about doing something really fucking different That's it. Like, yeah, we're just going to, Hey, we're going to act like the last season never happened and we're going to completely redo it. And we're going to go on all the Reddit threads and read up on everybody's criticisms and fix it. I'm not going to lie. I'd be in for that too. Like I'd be in for that more than what they're about to pitch now because what they're pitching now is not, it's not fresh. Like, um, we've had a friends reunion. We had a uh, Will Smith uh, Fresh Prince. We've had a Will and Grace reunion. We've even had Will and Grace, I think, come back four episodes
0: like after. Oh yeah, they they're, they got so, at least one more season, I think, out of out of their
1: so, reunion. Something like that. I, I knew that they did. They did multiples. It wasn't just like a one time thing. No, no. So like what what they're doing now is not. It's not fresh. It's not new. You know this, this isn't anything. Like all it does is it sounds like. It either sounds one like one or two things. Like that the fan criticisms just really got to these people and they're like, Okay, we need to do this or they're just out of ideas. You know, like that's I think it's both. <laughs> probably, yeah, it's probably both. And I just I don't know, man. Like I'm like I especially like the um the last couple of days, like I saw this trailer for Why The Last Man, which is this comic book graphic novel that they're gonna, gonna be be turn into a show. Correct going to be on fx exactly yeah i've seen pictures i've seen previews for that reservation dogs is pretty good so like there's all these things that are you know now that we're starting to get some new programming that i'm kind of intrigued by and like part of me is just like i I have a feeling that like i'm going to find out like i'm just going to ask people about dexter and i'll be satisfied with that
0: yeah i that's one i'm probably going to hate watch Hate watch. Yeah, yeah. It's on. It's going to
1: be on Showtime again, right? Uh,
0: yeah. I'm I'm sure it is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Like I, I don't have Showtime. If I did have it, I'd probably hate watch it too. But this is going to be one that like I know that I'm just going to be like there. There could be this point in time where like whenever that's on, and like 20 minutes before we start the podcast is just like what happened on Dexter, (laughs) right?
0: Uh, anyway, he abandons his yeah. child again uh, with a different serial killer, um, and then he disappears into a tornado this time.
1: <laughs> right, um, and then oh, he's bottom. magically whisked away to Canada or to northern, more northern part of Canada.
0: I, that that, uh, <laughs> I yeah. th- my a friend of mine. We used to message back and forth because, like, I, like we were we were friends in college, and we we're obviously friends after college. But like, she was one of the only people that I knew that watched Dexter, besides me, and like. We like we had these like epic text chains about the last season, and mm-hmm. we were talking like that last episode in particular. We like were back going back and forth about the fucking special effects for that like water spout hurricane deal that he fly that he sails yeah. his boat oh, into, yeah. and I'm mm-hmm. just like it literally like like I can't, how can a show that is that popular not have the money to finish a signature effect? It looks like it was a totally. Unfinished. It looks like a fucking PS3 cutscene. It was awful.
1: Yeah. Oh, I will guarantee. I know where that came from, and I will. I would bet money on this. I know exactly where that came from. That was that image was leftover CGI stuff that they had from a CSI episode on CBS. Like, there's this episode of CVI, CSI where like a, a typhoon like hits Miami or something like that. Mm-hmm. CSI Miami. I will personally assure you that that backdrop was bought from yep. like cbs cbs's b-roll collection somewhere yep. and they installed it in that movie like i refuse to believe that that image was a freshly created image
0: No, you're probably right you're probably right we've i know we have had bits of this discussion before a lot of effects work is just stuff that already exists and then you know either they use it as is or like they'll you know they'll touch it up to do stuff with it but it's usually stuff that exists you're probably right mm-hmm. you're probably a hundred percent right
1: there's like I just refuse to believe that th- that that is something that somebody looked at and they're like, okay, yeah, well, they, hey, it's not, it's Monday, hey, I need this, and then Thursday comes around and the guy's like, that's amazing. I just refuse to believe that.
0: Could you imagine if when we first get like the first dragon battle in Game of Thrones, if it was like totally pixelated, like fucking, it looked like a like Nintendo sixty four graphics, <laughs> and they were just okay <laughs> with it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right yeah i know that's it. yeah that's it. that's a very good comparison as to like what happened with this dexter thing garen fucking t yeah hbo like if they would have done something like that it would have been like the laughing stock like game of thrones wouldn't even have made needed the last season the tank its legacy. Nope. like that would have t- take its legacy no problem
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right chema uh i think that's it right we yeah, got our got
1: topics that brings us to yeah that dude that brings us to the end for sure
0: This was, this was excellent. I love getting into this. I love, I love when we have these like potpourri episodes where we just talk a lot about a lot of shit. This is fun.
1: Oh, the random stuff element is always, it's, it's amazing every time.
0: Amazing every time. And a good way, like I said, good way to break in the season and just kind of uh, a nice, a nice easy one where we don't have to do a ton of thinking necessarily. Um, Well, in a couple of weeks, that's all going to end. As you well know, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of thinking going on. Um, but we will be back sooner rather than later. We're gonna have we're gonna throw in a sports episode, correct? Correct. You're gonna throw in a sports episode, um, and then after that, we're gonna do a we're gonna we're gonna start getting. I, I want to do a lot more of this this season, where we kind of even if even if it takes up I don't know like try to like capitalize it all your time, but like even if we end up making like one recording into two episodes or whatever, I I want to do yeah. more of these deep dives. And we're going to after we get through a sports episode, we're going to do a Damon Lindelof deep dive. That uh, will be I think that's going to be I think like right now when we do like our season You know our our end of year wrap up That's going to be like early contender for like Favorite episode
1: Oh exactly yeah I might even tweet that episode At Damon and be like look we got your back buddy (laughs) Yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've been
1: teasing we've been teasing this for a while now. So, like Damon, you owe us at least ten minutes of the podcast.
0: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, good to be back. Good to start season seven. And uh, Chumbo, why don't you uh, lead us out of here, man?
1: I definitely will. Everybody out there, thank you very much for tuning into this welcome back edition of the Occasionalist Podcast. As we roll right on into season seven, and you can find us on Spotify, Facebook, Podbean, the basically the social medias, Instagram, all that stuff. Adam Chemilewski and Matthew Pagel wishing you guys the best and we will see you next time.